Welcome to the Branching Path Podcast. This is episode 10. We are officially in double digits. I am your host, Kyle, joined by my fellow host, John. John, how are you today? Hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad. I just had uh, somebody ring the doorbell to deliver food to my neighbor, which hurt my feelings. So if I seem a little bit sour on this podcast, that's why. I like that the moment we started recording, it feels like the street noise outside has just been turned up to 11 yeah you know what it makes it feel real though you know it's like it tells the audience john doesn't have a home he actually lives on the street uh which is true so yeah it's good it's legit yeah you remember you remember that amazing uh like penis reduction idea i had i i went bankrupt off of that you did end up yeah they did they didn't prosecute you though which was nice so you are still technically free although you are living without a home yeah, I'm just homeless, and uh, we're recording this in a McDonald's parking lot. <laughs> yeah, they have decent Wi-Fi at McDonald's, so use that if you ever need it. Um, <laughs> also, pretty decent deals on Tuesdays. Okay, uh, <laughs> John, you've been playing one game, and we'll get to that in just a moment. I'm going to start by quickly chatting about the games I've been playing. Today, not to hype it up too much, but today is finally the day we have an in-depth talk as long as it needs to take about Final Fantasy VII Remake. I know oh you've God. all been clamoring for this. I get letters daily to my real home address. John might get <laughs> letters, but he doesn't have a home, so they, we don't know where they go. Um, yeah, so we'll get to that in just a bit. But I'm going to start with what I've been playing the last couple weeks. So um, I uh, I don't know if I mentioned in the last podcast that Breath of Fire defeated me and I stopped playing. I think I did. Yes, I did. I moved on to, to Grandia, or Grandia, I still don't know. I say it both times every time I say it out loud, which is really inefficient. <laughs> um, so I'm playing Grandia or Grandia, which is a game that was developed by Game Arts, the people that made one of my favorite games ever, Lunar, um, which was originally a Sega CD game, got released onto the PlayStation, which is where I played it. So this was after Lunar, um, and it was the first game they made that was designed first and foremost on, um, uh, it was Saturn originally, I think, and then it was ported to the PSX. Uh, where Lunar 1 and 2 were both started on the Sega CD. So they were started with kind of older tech um, and then moved on to newer technology, where this game was developed first and foremost for stuff that could take advantage of some some of those early 3D assets. So Grandia is like a 2D character, sprites and stuff on top of a, a 3D model world. Some of that classic early PSX RPG look. I still think it, it works pretty damn well. I'm finding it quite charming. Um, it's especially good in Grandia, Grandia uh, in the towns, because there's a lot of really great detail in like the houses and stuff like that. A lot of really great prop work, and the, the models still look really good today. Um, one thing Grandia Grandia does that I don't love is the dungeons and the the like. Well, I'll just call it the dungeons. Uh, they are intentionally designed to be very open and kind of bland and lacking a lot of like geographical detail. And you are meant to kind of use your compass in the game as well as these little waypoints that give you a bird's eye view of the area to, to figure your way through it. So you're kind of meant to like navigate uh, more intentionally through a space than, than maybe a more kind of directed linear path style uh, dungeon in some older games. That might sound nice. Uh, it's not executed super well, in my opinion, in this game. It hasn't really sucked the enjoyment out of it enough for me to, to really hold it against it too, too much. Um, but that's another area where the 3D starts to look not so pretty because it'll be kind of large swaths of just bland green grass with the occasional hill and, and you know, that that's kind of mm. about it. So okay. that's that's where that, that old 3D style really doesn't lend itself is as soon as you have kind of a repeating texture without much 
to, to break it up. It starts to get kind of visually boring. Um, sure. Uh, Story-wise, it's, it's really not trying to break the mold at all. And I, I'd actually kind of argue Lunar is more or less the same in that they're not trying to tell some sort of mind-boggling, crazy twist-and-turn story that's going to you know blow your mind and you're going to tell everybody about all these plot details that you never saw coming. Their, I think their primary goals were to create endearing characters with clear character motivations, write them in such a way that they were consistent and you felt like, oh, this was written, this line was written for that character and, and that's something that they try and kind of, I think, um, have bleed through all of the character dialogue in this game is that, oh, when Justin's speaking, yeah, that's what Justin would say. Um, we'll get to translation in a sec, but characters that are nearing a world that's very inviting and just kind of exciting I, I think lunar did this as well but there's this sense of my characters just want to go on an adventure um a word i've just learned in japanese by the way it's bolken so for those learning japanese at home our japanese word of the day is bolken which is adventure um <laughs> and like that's kind of their impetus for the journey in the first place is i just want to go see new shit uh whatever happens happens and we'll just kind of be along for the ride but it's done very it's done very tastefully and again the characters are so well written and consistent that I, I i just buy it i totally buy into it and i buy into what's happening to them um translation wise this was handled actually in-house by by sony working designs had originally tried to get their hand on the project working designs was the localization team that had worked on on lunar they're kind of famous for their very particular approach to to translation and and really taking a lot of creative liberties with with the process i think it in the end works out pretty well for any of the projects of theirs that i've played but grandi is a bit more bland as far as the translation goes however i still find a lot of personality coming through in the dialogue between characters so i think that game arts does need to be commended here i have a feeling that it they really did have a pretty good team of writers especially for character dialogue and stuff like that back in the day because it's been quite charming and there's quite a bit of of dialogue in, in Grandia Grandia uh, and it's it's all been fun yeah uh, I won't go into too much more detail the last thing I want to talk about is the battles I just want to give a quick shout out to the, the battle system here they did this with Lunar they took a, a small concept and, and kind of made it this the cornerstone of what makes their battle system unique uh, and in Lunar that was range your characters had a limited amount of space they could move on the battlefield before they could execute their their action um Grandia has the same thing. There is a range limit, so your characters actually have to be able to physically reach the enemy to execute. But there's also a action bar on the very bottom of the screen, and if an enemy is in the f kind of final window between starting an action and completing an action, and you hit them with the right move, you'll cancel that action altogether. So there's a whole action economy there that you're you know, constantly balancing and having to make sure that you don't get canceled. And, and <laughs> I couldn't think... I couldn't help but think of cancel culture when I said that, like... Oh, I got fucking canceled. It's fucking PC woke liberals. That's just funny. I'm going to cancel um, this fucking 10-year-old adventure. <laughs> uh, so you got to be careful uh, that, that you don't have your attacks and stuff canceled as well. And it, it, the, the interplay is, is really fun. Uh, it makes even standard encounters not totally mindless. Sometimes they are still a little bit if you're overleveled. But um, a small change that has wide-ranging implications. I think they've executed it very well. So I'm, I'm totally planning to finish this one. I said that with, with Breath of Fire 3, but I don't see this one falling off quite the same way. Um, and uh, I have Grandia 2, Grandia 2, who knows. Uh, I'll probably play that in the future as well, so I'll keep you guys posted on that. Um, 
Otherwise, I have been playing Animal Crossing again because they just released the version 2.0 update. Um, we also got the Happy Home Paradise DLC. I haven't actually unlocked the DLC yet because we started our island over from scratch. Um, and actually haven't really seen a whole lot of the new um, version 2 content yet either because I think a lot of it was intended for a little bit later game. But it's been fine uh, because it's just been a ton of fun to kind of start this game from scratch again. And I'm kind of being totally charmed by it all over again. And knowing how much more there is to do towards the end of the game just has me really excited to keep playing. So I hope a lot of Sweet. people out there have, have had a lot of fun revisiting their islands that were probably dormant for over a year. Um, I hope their villagers weren't too mad at them. And uh, yeah, look forward to some more Animal Crossing talk uh, in the next two weeks because I'm sure I'll be playing a lot of it. And that is about it for games I've played this week. John, you've been playing Final Fantasy VII fucking remake. That's right. And I just want to remark here that your your like what are you playing notes always seem so well organized and I'm like, yeah, I like games. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, my what are you playing notes are entirely off the cuff. So Well, then you're fucking good at that. <laughs> thank you very much. I was just fishing for a compliment. Thank you so much. Um, uh, well, delivered. Yeah, I've been <laughs> playing Remake. Um, I played Remake strictly because we wanted to get this episode of the podcast fucking over with. Uh, and goddamn, am I glad that's the case because I did not have a good time. I mean, I think we should also say though that we were we've always been excited to have this discussion in in great detail. Though I think John was just quite dreading having to actually put the time in. Uh, yes, uh, it's. I knew. Not not new. I had a feeling that I would not enjoy coming back to it. I, I tried to go in open-minded um, and just, you know, have what fun I could out of it. And it, it was the same result. This game just really doesn't gel with me. I don't like much of it, if not most of it. <laughs> so it was it was pretty painful to do it again. There are some redeeming moments that I will I will will what we will bring up today. There like it's not not everything in this game is bad. There's some some good in there, but. Alongside that, uh, I decided to play the original Midgar section so I could do some comparisons. And I gotta say, the original holds up really well and, in my opinion, is a better game than this anyway. Um, so definitely uh, gonna talk about that a bit today. Yeah, John wanted us to mention ahead of this discussion that we, we both went into this game with open minds. I know when we both played it for the first time, we were excited to be impressed and have a fun time yes. we both were really positive on the game for the first couple of hours the bombing mission in particular the first time around was you know a moment of, of excitement and fun uh so we, we didn't go into this trying to hate the game when i went through it the second time I, I i there were moments i genuinely did enjoy uh although as a whole i i really think this game totally misses the mark and i have a lot of problems with some of like the i don't know the, the, almost the principle of the project but anyhow we, we didn't try to hate this. We really tried to give it an honest-to-goodness shot, fair shake. So everything after this point, uh, while it's how we feel, we came to it completely honestly. Yeah, I, I never set out to dislike a game. Um, I'm not a diehard fan of any game. I'll criticize my favorites. Um, you know, I, all, all we can do is try to be fair. I'm pretty forgiving of technical issues, so I don't usually bring those up. There's one here that bothered me quite a bit that I'm going to talk about. Um but I just want the game to win me over because all we want is to enjoy more games. Like, that's what everybody who games wants. I yeah, would that's, think. that's um, the goal. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we uh, I think we're going to start before nitpicking the hell out of this, going over some of the broad stroke things that we, we maybe like and mostly didn't like. Um, first and foremost, is Final Fantasy VII Remake a remake? John, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to have to say no. Some of these events are straight from the original game and they are in a higher fidelity but the overall tone is one that seems to expect that you already know the original game uh and given how popular that is and how much people talk about it online that's not super unreasonable unreasonable but labeling it a remake um selling it like a remake i I don't think that's the case especially towards the end um and, and if you've played it, then you know how much it's going to deviate there in, in future installments. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a remake. Um, if anything, it's a reimagining or a sequel. Yeah, I would agree. It's it's not a remake. Um, reimagining slash sequel, I think, is the best way to put it because a lot of this game does hit you know majority similar beats to the original Midgar section with a bunch of added. Um, for lack of a better word, bullshit. Um, but then in the way that it ends, it's very clear that what we're getting after this is going to be new uh, and, and never before seen and more of a sequel than, than anything, especially based on the context uh, of, of the changes they've made. It really, it really to me, the game reads as more of a sequel than anything else. Um, right. I kind of wish the marketing had made that a bit more clear, to be honest with you. Would I have still played it and bought it? Probably. But I have a feeling there would have been some people who, who maybe were a bit more hesitant and waited to, to see a bit more about the game if they were told, oh, this is actually a sequel. Um, but you're going to have to trust us on this part. It's a sequel like no other because we've taken a five-hour section and made it 30, and most of it's the <laughs> same as the original, but somehow it's different and worse. Um, yeah, anyways. so I think it- they should have communicated that really plainly. Um without needing to consume a lot of the the media about the game uh, kind of like uh, before the release because for people who want to go in blind and just relive those events they haven't played this game in 20 years they still wouldn't have known because it says remake in the title right for sure um yeah they, they uh one of the things i i really didn't like about this this project this game was that they didn't want you to approach this as a newcomer and they they are telling the story to and for people who have already experienced the original and who want something completely different. And, and they kind of made that decision for you, right? Like they, they said, you might want just a, a awesome re- remake of, of the original game, but we have fundamentally changed everything. And the way that we approach storytelling in this game, a lot of the time depends upon you knowing things that you couldn't know if you only engaged with this particular game. Right. Um, and I just think that's it's a weird approach, first of all. Uh, again, you're right. This game's ubiquitous. Tons of people know a ton about it. Everybody knows of Sephiroth. I would argue this game does a terrible job of selling anybody who's new on the threat or importance of Sephiroth. Uh, yes. <laughs> like, to introduce him to people this way, like, why would you ever give a shit about him aside from the fact that he looks cool and has a big sword? Like, that's really all he's reduced to in this game. Um, yeah, so I just, I think that that approach to storytelling was just 
a misstep for me. For me, it super didn't work whatsoever. And, and I'm obviously the intended audience, right? Because I'm somebody who knew all about the original game um, and, and had all the context that this game was missing. Um, and it still just didn't work for me at all. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I have to wonder how many like new fans to Final Fantasy VII did this game create. Yeah, yeah, I wonder. Uh, pl- playing through this without knowledge of the old one, um, I, I just and saying the old one makes me think of Demon Souls immediately. But playing <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, playing through this without knowledge of the old game. Could this could this win you over? Like seeing Sephiroth early deliver these flowery flowery lines of dialogue with no context about why why he's there or who he is. Um, the the mystery was hinted at so much better in the original to me, whereas a lot of the remake feels like noise. Hmm. That's a good way to put it. There's a ton of noise in this game. Uh, and I think as somebody who doesn't have experience with the series, you have a hard time distinguishing signal from noise and picking out what's important and what's not. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I, uh, I've seen... Okay, I'm going to actually save the, the whole original vision thing until we've maybe talked a little bit about the story and the whispers and stuff like that, okay? We'll sure. come back to was this their original vision. John has some, some thoughts on that, and I've got a conspiracy theory to share with you later. Um, <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake is, if not the most self-indulgent game out there, I think one of the most self-indulgent games out there. It's really, really high on its own legacy, and it's it, it kind of buys its own bullshit at every like every stop. I don't think they ever stopped to ask themselves: Are is what we're writing actually good? because they felt they didn't need to because they had the legacy of FF7 on their side and anything with Final Fantasy 7 in the title couldn't possibly be bad. I have a feeling they just they they are in, the people on this team especially like the high level people making decisions didn't have the ability or maybe just didn't want to or didn't feel the need to step back and kind of look at this not in the vacuum of Final Fantasy 7 but just as a as a game and a story on its own. Um yeah, we have a couple examples that we wrote down here of, of some of the self-indulgence. Well, maybe you get to some of those when we go through our, our nitpicky, detail-ridden stuff. But would you agree that this is a self-indulgent game, John? Oh, definitely. And I, I think my main argument for that would just be that so much of the new stuff that was added has no value. Yes. I, I didn't. I didn't learn key details about the world through a lot of this shitty side content. Um what they've done is bloat the original story and pad the gameplay to sell you a full-price, full-length game. Yep. Which, by the way, if you skip all the side shit, you can beat this in, like, 21 hours. So, <laughs> yeah. um, it's it, it's just it's bloat and noise to me is, is, is the best way I can say it, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would definitely agree it's self-indulgent because they want you to spend more time in this world, but they don't want seemingly want you to do that in... Uh, in a way that adds value to the world there's there isn't really anything i learned or any character new character that i fell in love with because they wrote them so well it's just bloat yeah that, that's a, again well said um they they didn't make me a new fan of anyone here right like right <laughs> none of this new content made me like oh i really love 
the mayor now. Uh, <laughs> it just that never happened. Not once. Um, yeah, the mayor. The mayor. The mayo. I'm sorry, we don't have mayonnaise. Oh, God, God. Time, time. Interestingly enough, that that works in Japanese because the word for mayor in Japanese is very similar to mayor as well. It like, mm. yeah, kind of blew my mind because I played it with the Japanese um, uh, voice acting. So I was surprised to see that that little wordplay worked the same without having to retranslate a whole lot of it. I was, yeah, anyway. Um, oh, interesting. Anyways, uh, <laughs> the one of the things that I felt about this game was it's it's almost like reverse exposition is what i called it in that you when you're experiencing a story especially a like a fantasy setting story or a sci-fi story there's often a lot of stuff that you need to be caught up to speed on as far as how the world works the way that that's often delivered is with exposition and that that is explained to you or rather it's explained to you through another character so there's almost always another character who doesn't know the same things you, the reader, listener, watcher, whatever, don't know. So it's explained to them, and now it's explained to you, you understand. If it's done too much, you know, heavy exposition is usually kind of looked down upon as, as a bit of a lazy writing tool. Um, but it, it's a necessary tool for storytelling. That's just, it's it's part of storytelling. In this game, it's, it's, it's flipped almost, because me, the player... I know a lot more about this world than all of the characters do at the time that I'm in control of them, right? And where this really stood out to me more than anything was the final confrontation with Sephiroth, where he comes out of that portal and just says, like, come on in, we're going to have a fight, basically. And everybody's like, has the psych up for the final battle moment. Nobody except for Cloud really has any fucking clue who this guy is or why he matters, right? They all care about Shinra, this evil corporation who's sucking the life out of the planet. But at the some for some reason, everybody's super on board to just merc this new guy they don't know anything about. It just didn't. It, it I wasn't sold on it at all because again, they they're writing it from a perspective that oh, but it doesn't matter. The characters don't know and don't really have any stakes in this. The player knows. The player knows Sephiroth is the bad guy. So obviously he right. he's they're not going to question it, right? So the game is begging to, to have, I mean, frankly, just for better writing, but it's begging to have some, some proper exposition so your characters are caught up to speed on what the fuck is going on. And it's not relying on you, the player, knowing and just assuming that, okay, everybody's going to do it because they're friends with Cloud. I just thought it was really weak. Right, and, and the moment in Calm Village where Cloud fills the party in is chronologically after this game. So yes. there's no way they could know the fucking unstoppable force they're looking at right now. Um, yeah. And just yeah, how dangerous right. this fucking guy is. Well, so yeah, they don't even know the stakes here. They don't know what they're, they don't know what the danger they're walking into. Um, right. So, so it and just a takes a lot for of the me, punch out of it. Yeah. Exactly. And, and a moment for me, similar to your, your Sephiroth description here, would be when Aerith um, shows Red 13 what's going on by touching mm. his head. Mm-hmm. And his eyes go wide and suddenly... And I would argue also that the other person who knows what's going on is Aerith. Um, and now I would argue also Red, because it seems like from that scene, what we're meant to infer is that Aerith really filled him in with this fucking Final Fantasy mind meld uh, about the potential future. And 
that, that's what's implied to me anyway. Um, oh, 100%. Yeah. You know, you know Red, Red's eyes go wide, and suddenly he's aware of the Setra and and probably the danger that Sephiroth poses. And if that is the case, you would think that would be a fucking, you know what, halt everything moment. We have to explain to the rest of the party what we're asking them to do. Yes. By fighting this fucking guy or continue yes. this. But it never happens. <laughs> why, why would keeping them in the dark make any sense? Yeah, and, <laughs> and now that they've seen uh, what's possible here, um, with the whispers, or just their existence, and the fact that they can be killed—all that, all that stuff—you would think that would be a great time for Aerith to finally fill them in on everything she knows, and and what could happen later. Um, especially since by the end of the game, when you've killed those arbiters, whatever they're called, beaten Sephiroth, all that crap, uh, it's made very clear that they're going to deviate now. Right. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying there. Um, they're walking well, me, into danger that they're not made of... Uh, go, go ahead, finish your point there. I was just going to say, so let's quickly talk about one big central change to this game and, and the writing the writing trick that they use to explain away everything they've done differently, very right. clumsily, okay? And that is something called the Whispers. So there are these <laughs> ugly-looking hooded um, Kingdom Hearts-ass ghost things that are called Whispers. They're Dementors. They're Dementors. But they remind me so much of Kingdom Hearts with those hoods. Those, Anyways, whatever. They look dumb and I don't like them. But uh, their whole purpose in the game is that they are keeping everybody on track to follow the exact same like destiny storyline of the original game. Okay, So whenever Cloud tries to kind of stray from the path and maybe murder somebody he wouldn't have originally tried to murder, like Reno, for example, the Whispers <laughs> yeah. come and they stop him. And they say, no, 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 in the original game, you did not kill Reno here, so don't do that right now. Uh, it comes off really weird uh, and just, again, clumsy when they finally get around to explaining what that all means. But Aerith, apparently, it, it's implied anyways, and I, I, this is what I understood, knows about the possible future that they're heading into, okay? Right. That possible future being the conclusion and the events of the original game, Right. Yes. Fair, fair to say, right? Like that, that's that's what Sephiroth is trying to change. That's how he, I would read that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she shares that with Red Thirteen. Okay. The two of them are aware of a possible future, or the future, the course they're on right now, in which Sephiroth is defeated. He summons a meteor, and it does damage the world. It's unclear if humanity is killed out or not. Um, but by the end of Final Fantasy VII, the original game, you see some red 13 it might be red 13 and it might just be somebody of his species but anyways a, a dog thing with two little pups beside him and they come and look at like a totally overgrown with with plants and stuff midgar so one the the ending of final fantasy 7 is already super kind of abstract and, and not clear it's, it's a bit vague as to what happened right? right so we we don't really know what we're trying to change here right like, we, we don't know the outcome of the end of Final Fantasy VII because it's left intentionally vague. So I don't know right. if, if changing the destiny of that, that ending is even a good thing as a player. I'm not even really sold on why we need to do it, frankly. Fair okay? enough. If, if Aerith and Red Thirteen or Nanaki, that's his actual name for people who have uh, played the original game. Um, <laughs> Men of culture. <laughs> Women of culture. People of culture. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I got there gonna, in the end. 
I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that soundbite, and that's gonna be part of our new intro. I love that. Um, if if they take it upon themselves to make the determination that changing fate, as it were, which by the way seems to align with Sephiroth's goal, because he also wants to do this, but they make the determination that changing fate is the right thing to do, and they decide not to tell everybody else and just to rope them in and take them in without them knowing what they're doing. You could argue that it's super manipulative and shitty, um, and like morally completely wrong, also. Right. Yeah. Anyways, all that it just doesn't work for me. I'm obviously analyzing and overanalyzing the crap out of all this, which maybe this game doesn't deserve. Um, <laughs> but it's so high on its uh, own bullshit, I can't help but you know take it seriously and so and so analyze it seriously. The, the hints, the hints they're dropping lead that way though. Like I feel like. It's it's what you're expected to think. I mean, I would love to get confirmation from them about that, mm. but uh, and I also would like to know if they're treating Advent Children as canon because yeah. if that is the case, then we do know that that the city was f- essentially fine afterwards. Yeah, fair um, enough. Yeah, that's, that's in, a in, a, in a lot of ways. Um, and if Aerith and Red and Sephiroth are aware of this, um, it it felt like. I don't know, like it had like this Doctor Strange manipulating time, possible futures kind of lame vibe to it for me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, one of the, one of the biggest issues is just that they do it. They they pull the rest of the party in without complete knowledge on their part, very casually. Yeah. Yeah. Again, <laughs> it's reverse a, exposition. Nobody knows <laughs> yeah. anything. Only you know yeah. these things. None of your characters are aware of the stakes, and they should be, um, because because it would make you more invested, right? The only reason I sure. care about what happens to these characters is is because I like I care about what the characters feel. Like I, I'm a I'm an invisible person watching the events of what's going on here, right? Like it shouldn't matter that I have knowledge, and for me, it makes sense why I would want to go fight Sephiroth. Um, right. I should be doing it because the characters I'm in control of would be doing that thing. Um, so, mm-hmm. anyways, yeah, yeah sure. the the game, it it just. It just doesn't work for me whatsoever. Um, on the on the writing, I, I really question whether the people who are who were in charge of, of the writing of this new script really know how to even achieve their own writing goals. Though I don't think they're particularly gifted writers, um, at least not based on this this product. This final product tells me that they're not. Um, again, at least to my taste, we're not even going to get into the whole subjectivity objectivity debate here. Of course. Everything is is more or less subjective when it comes to enjoying art, but I, I think there's, to a degree, some objective, you know, quality to to writing, for example. But um, one of the things that they stated in interviews that I read was that they wanted to show Cloud uh, as being a more insecure person who's hiding those insecurities by being apathetic, right? But that his apathy is false. His disinterest is is put on. It's just a way of hiding his insecurity and his anxiety and that kind of thing. Um, in my opinion, they, 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 I guess in a way they realize that goal, but they do it clumsily and they inadvertently turn Cloud into a bit of a sociopath. Um, because in, in writing him that way, the, the scenes they choose to show that make him seem like he does not know how to interact with other human beings in such a way that somebody with empathy and compassion would interact with other human beings. Hence the term sociopath. I wasn't just being funny. I really think he comes off as a sociopath. Um, 
the the example of course is the scene where barrett thinks his daughter is dead we'll come back to that i think later in a bit more detail when we do our, our play by play um sure but I, I think there are lots of examples in this game of of just the writing being lacking and them th- their stated goals even i think that they did a poor job of accomplishing um john let's talk about your theory on this being their or not your theory but just your take on this being their original vision because they've said in interviews that and when i say they I, I think i've mostly heard things that tetsuya nomura has said who was the original character designer for final fantasy 7 he's one of the three directors for this project now um, sure. he has said that this game is like really what they had f- truly envisioned and imagined for Final Fantasy VII PSX in you know the 1990s, this is what they would have done if they'd had the time and the resources. John, you said you were a bit skeptical of that. I don't buy that for a moment. That sounds like the marketing department speaking through them. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I say that is, you're not going to work at a company and then say to the world about your new product, you know, it's not quite what we had in mind, but we think it turned out fine. that's that's not what they're going to do they're going to say this is final fantasy 7 the way we always wanted people to experience it which i think is bullshit because they're uh, again they're relying on or seemingly relying on previous knowledge right um, which means they want you to experience the old one too um and also uh i think this is a great argument for how classic rpgs of the past hold up really well because the shot callers of the time um, and the decisions that they made of what to cut and what not to cut uh, resulted in better games. Sorry, you said, you said the... just, I heard shock callers, so I just want to clarify, John said, <laughs> John said shot callers, people who shot the callers, shots. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the people in charge, you know, uh, director of the original was Yoshinori Kitase, yeah. previous Final Fantasies, it was Hironobu Sakaguchi. We remember those really fondly for, for many reasons, but... Um, the decisions that they made resulted in some really great games that made Final Fantasy what it is today. And I think whoever, or however many people, whoever they are, whoever's calling the shots right now, the decisions that they're making are resulting in really messy narratives that, and gameplay decisions too. That's that's not even, like, we're going to get into some of the bullshit. <laughs> no, we haven't even thing, touched but. on that, Jesus. We barely even talked just, about it in the free talk. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. There's, and there's a bunch to say there. Um <laughs> one main criticism that drove us both fucking nuts but yeah the, the whoever the, whoever's making the decisions or the decision making process itself maybe the environment itself it's hard to say without being there but the the game making environment today and the people doing it are creating much in, in our opinion anyway much messier stories they don't flow very well the dialogue is often very awkward and stilted and there's plenty of bad writing in the original, but that was also translated by one person. And with the budgets and stuff they have today, they don't really have an excuse for that, especially when they could so easily bring on trained creative writers to help them to make this shit more natural and just better. Yeah, <laughs> I'm absolutely. sure there's no shortage of people out there who would who would jump at that chance, some great writers. Um, and it's, it's obvious that at least... Uh, you know, if they did, then... I'd, I'd be surprised if they did. If they did hire a writer, then maybe they should hire a different one. <laughs> go for him. Um, I, I want to quickly <laughs> mention on this. This is an interesting anecdote, and we had brought him up quickly in the pre-talk. Um, John sent me an article a little while ago of the translator, an interview, rather, with the translator of Metal Gear Solid 2, 
Oh, yes. Um, and Hideo Kojima had, in the past, I didn't know this, he kind of thrown her under the bus and said that the reason the story in 2 was kind of getting some flack back in the day from, from Westerners was that it had been translated poorly. And it's a masterpiece in the original Japanese, and you know it, it can't be the, the blame can't be laid at his feet. I haven't seen any of this this really levied at the uh, the translators for Final Fantasy VII remake by the Japanese creator, so I don't mean to, to say that they've done this, um, but just just to not give them the out and say that oh it's probably just it's probably better in the original Japanese. Um, the the translator for Metal Gear Solid Two at the time shot back and said like listen. Hideo Kojima is not a writer. He's just not a good writer. What I was given was not a good script. Like I, I did my best, but you can't lay this all at my feet. I'm paraphrasing. She, she, it was a long interview, and she was very enlightening, and I thought she was very intelligent sounding. But um, just in case anyone wants to give this game the pass writing wise, because uh, because it's translated. Like John said, this is a company that has way too many resources to even possibly be given the benefit of the doubt or the excuse of oh, the translation just wasn't up to snuff. There's no excuse for that, and I don't think that's the case here. I'm sure the translation is is fairly accurate to the original. Right. Uh, and just in, in line with that article um, and, and kind of Kojima's just way of thinking, I guess, uh, some of you may remember the, the tweets he put out regarding Quiet in the new Metal Gear game. Quiet is that very uh, scantily clad sniper character. And there, was, there were people talking about how uh, scandalously clad she is and, and, and just a bit of controversy surrounding that. But one of the things he said about it is once you recognize, I'm going to quote here, but once you recognize the secret reason for her exposure, you will feel ashamed of your words and deeds. <laughs> 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 and if you know why she is like that and some of the ridiculous like shower scenes in that game where she's like frolicking around in this water, it's fucking insane. Um, <laughs> and it, it, I guess you, to, it's not particularly it's not as tasteful as he's implying it is <laughs> yeah and I just the sense I get from the man is that he nothing he, he can do no wrong and when something goes wrong as in in the gaming industry anyway it's not well received or it doesn't do as well as, as he hopes then it's not his fault and well um, it, it just goes hand in hand with a comment he made about westerners being essentially too stupid to enjoy a strand type game right <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> like one, what? Just such an ignorant thing to say about an entire. Anyways, we'll leave it at that. But uh, yes, I, I, John and I get the sense that the team in charge of this game has too much, like myth, built up around them, and, and they have their name on too many projects that have too much clout and goodwill. And they're just not really held to the same standard that somebody without their history would be. Um, and so they pump out a stinker, and uh, you know it's not their fault. It's, it's, it's the way it's the what, what the attitude seems to be today, anyway. Um, but the point I was trying to make about the environment of like making games too mm-hmm. is just that games of this scale are not solo efforts, obviously. So. If one key person is missing from this equation, one key person who might steer these things in uh, the direction that is better for us, the player, in the end, if that person is missing, it makes a huge difference. So 20 plus years later, the original team is obviously not together. Some of those key piece, uh, people are no doubt missing, and I, I think it shows in the result. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good indicator that, like, yeah, there was a core team at Squaresoft, then Square Enix that was responsible for 
a lot of these games that we see today, even with today's lenses as masterpieces, right? Games that we've gone back and played that totally hold up. Um, right. Yeah, they just they do not have the same magic that they did 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and I hate to sound like an old complainy bitch, but <laughs> yeah, like they, they're just especially like, well again we haven't even got to the gameplay but they just put out messy narratives and, and like this game is not alone in that right final fantasy 15 is another great example of like just one of sure. the messiest narratives ever um yeah and, and time doesn't seem to fix these problems right uh yeah it, it seems to happen with uh a lot of their modern day projects so um but yeah I, you know i don't want to speculate too much on what it's like for them making these things that what, all we can really talk about is what we've got neither of us really like this thing so why don't we start diving into that yeah let's let me quickly talk i'm gonna do one more thing and then we'll do our, our deep dive nitpick scene by scene big complain fest that's what i'm gonna <laughs> call good. the episode <laughs> <laughs> um the last thing i wanted to touch on before we go into our nitpicking and then eventually our conclusion um is just some of the themes, and you, you had a really good point here, John. So the the original game, John's been playing it, and I can't wait to hear some of your comparisons there. But um, some of the themes that come to mind are environmentalism, uh, capitalism, and greed, and its kind of long ranging effects. The the effects of you know profit profitability as kind of the number one concern, and everything else is is secondary. Um, unreliable narrators and identity crises with with Cloud and his whole issue PTSD. Um, and its effects on a person and how, how it can change their their uh, relationship with the world around them. Um, and John, you said that this game, because it's such a zoomed-in look at one part of the game, they end up losing a lot of their overall message in the details. Yeah, we're taking such a close look at Midgar now um, that all, all of the noise that they've had to add to make this game longer do nothing but what's the word I'm looking obscure? at? Obscure? I guess obscure distract you from the the continuing me- the message that you feel more clearly in the original because you get to it faster. Yeah. Um, the original Midgar section is not very long. And my argument here isn't that the original uh, uh, handles these messages super well. I- I'm not going to say the original does like PTSD really well. I, <laughs> I don't think it does. I don't even really think it needed to. But the point is um, you get to those things so much quicker that you you, you, you constantly have those messages in mind, at least in my view, uh, or, or why the party's out here doing what they're doing. Well, it all started back in Midgar, which really wasn't that long ago. But here, 30, 40 hours later, depending how you on how you play the game, by the time you reach the end, the events of the early reactor explosion and the pillar and stuff they 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 hardly matter anymore yeah but but the noise they add in between these big events also is like the main culprit i'd argue because anytime any momentum is built up where what just happened would really drive you to get to the next big thing they insert some fucking garbage content that really distracts from it and one of my favorite advantage advantage geez one of my favorite examples rather um is when you hear about the rumor that the Sector 7 plate is going to come down. And you're dropped into Corneo's sewer, and everybody's worried. You want to get back, and you, and you want to figure out what the hell's going on. 
Well, Aerith decides now is a great time to instead take a little break and think about stuff that makes you happy. And then there's a fucking, sh- I call them shimmy sections, sections where you get to walk for 20 seconds across Dude, a beam or something. I called them, I called them the walking slows. <laughs> there you go. I wrote there's down a, a list. section like that. <laughs> I, I think you, you cross a, a, a bridge of like floating platforms or something. Floating boxes in water. Yep. Yep. Yes. Right after you cross that, Aerith asks Tifa, are you still thinking about the plate? And I'm like, I, I lost my fucking mind there. Like, are you shitting me? <laughs> like, 30 seconds have passed. <laughs> we were just talking about it. Do you have amnesia? <laughs> also, um, like, of course she's still thinking about the plate. She was just told her entire hometown, essentially, is about to be destroyed. Yeah, like that. The, are you still thinking about that? Yes! Not to, not to mention the sewer section itself is, is longer and yes, leads to... Always. Um, uh, another longer section in Wall Market, I believe, if I remember the order here. Um, by the time you get through that, and then, and then the tra- train graveyard. So by the time you get through all that fucking shit, the, the sense of danger from this is lost. Yes. Yes, because there's no Especially gravity. if you're it's taking always, it Yeah, it's always dragged on too long. Yeah, God forbid you do what I did, which is all the side quests and look for all the side content. Like, it just adds more time between these important scenes, right? Um, do you know your your total playtime off time? I think it was between thirty five and forty hours. Okay, that's quite a bit. Yeah, and that was me doing more or less everything. Um, yeah, I, I did the vast majority of side content. I missed a few here and there. I think I okay. I got everybody's best weapon except for Tifa because it was immiscible and I couldn't go back and get it until after I beat the game and I did not want to play more of the game after I beat the game. So. So let, let's compare that, actually, because I, I did not finish. I got to the battle where you're about to fight the Arbiters and then Sephiroth. John, John literally there. got to the final confrontation, and <laughs> his brain broke, and he couldn't continue. He tried to press forward on the analog stick. He sent me a video, uh, but for whatever reason, he kept slamming the analog stick backwards, and then his controller, he'd snap in half. So he went through, like, six controllers. Brutal. Um, <laughs> it's fucking, yeah, it's very expensive. Yeah. Um, and I'm homeless now, so I can't afford it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I got to the end and it just I, I cared so little about what happens here I already know they're going to deviate from a better story and they, they've done nothing to make me give a shit about what's coming and I, plus I've already seen it Jake is a big fan of this game and we've talked about it um, and, and he's told me about the events I know he's excited for part 2 and, and that's great so I, I already knew what happens and I wasn't excited for it so I just fucking shut that shit off um, but playing almost exclusively story content on easy mode, I had about 20 hours of playtime total. So if you add another 20 hours, 15 to 20 hours of padding between major story events, any sense of, of danger or momentum or whatever that you have dies. It gets caught off at the knees because you go into an optional dungeon with no consequences or any relevance whatsoever. It's just there to make you have more gameplay. Um, well, just just keep in mind that yeah. John has these complaints about the momentum being cut off at the knees, and he had 15 yeah. less hours playtime than I did, right? So Yes. <laughs> so if you expand the game by another 15 hours, I, I can't imagine how much worse that feels. <laughs> yeah. Also, you're lucky you stopped where you did, John, because the fight with the whispers at the end was one of my least favorite sections of the game 
Oh, really? Yeah. It was interesting set piece wise. It was pretty to look at, but the fight itself went on for like a fucking half an hour. It was so bad. Anyways, we'll get Jeez. to that. Um. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's start picking this shit apart. So obviously, we probably should have put a spoiler warning long ago because uh, we spoiled a few things already. I'll put a tag in the episode title, but um, sure. Lots and lots of spoilers here on out because we're going to go into some details and there's going to be a lot of complaining. Uh, look forward to it. Here we go. Boom. <laughs> the game starts. Okay. What are your notes on the bombing mission, John? Uh, I don't have too many specific notes about that. I liked um, um, all my notes are chronological. Just whatever jumped out at me, I took down. And one of the things was that the title music was beautiful. I liked yeah. that quite oh, a bit. Hell yeah. Um, Frequent pauses early on to tutorialize basic actions really started to piss me off. Mm. Um, especially, it, it, like, I, I understand tutorials, but they show the controls on screen by default. What, all of your actions are labeled outside of more complicated stuff like maybe materia. Um, and so uh, tutorializing that is fine, but you don't have to show me how to guard. You've already told me on screen that R1 is the fucking block button. Right. Um, so when they kept bringing those up and it like pauses gameplay, I was getting a little annoyed. So yeah, it enough. didn't start me off on the greatest foot. <laughs> but again, that's that's like a almost like a technical thing, and it's kind of expected these days that you do that. So I'm not going to hold that against them. Um, I played in English instead of Japanese, and very early on, the anime grunting and I'm doing stuff sounds started to jump out at me again. Yeah. Um, it. It bothered me the first time. It bothers me now. And, and there's a moment early on where Jesse asks Cloud if he and Tifa are close. Cloud looks away and has a brief childhood flashback moment. It's totally fine. But before that, he does those damn grunts again. And it, it, st it struck me as being afraid to let any silence hang in the air. Mm. Like, they always have to communicate that something is happening. Even right. though you can, you're watching these people, and you said it great before we started this, at a fidelity like this, you're watching these characters act on screen. And they, they have the technology, they have the facial expressions for Cloud to get across this kind of maybe considering his words before he speaks attitude. And the, the grunting and shit is not necessary. Um, so that, that struck me right away. Bombing mission itself was generally fine. Um, the Scorpion boss battle was still cool. I did like um, that Jesse is right away becoming more of a character she's she's i didn't like her so much the first time but playing again she started to grow on me more um i kind of liked the flirtatiousness the flirtatiousness with cloud uh, I, I was i was happy to see that go on but bombing mission for me was fine um and before we get into midgar after that i'll let you get your thoughts out here yeah i i think bombing mission is a pretty strong start to the game because the more this game adheres to the originals, like structure and, and story and stuff like that, the better it is, in my opinion, every time. Because agreed, bombing mission is super, super, like almost one for one with the original bombing mission. The music is all the same, which is huge, because you're hearing the amazing soundtrack from Nobu Umatsu that you remember, and you're not hearing some shitty incidental song that you're barely supposed to notice and is new. Um, I don't really care for a lot of the new music. Um, so, so it's 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 firing on all cylinders. It's it's short enough that you're not like the urgency is there the whole time. I felt um, 
And again, you're hearing the awesome soundtrack, but now, you know, reorchestrated and everything, and it sounds really, really good. So I, I think the game opens pretty damn strong. Um, yeah, I agree. Actually, in, in general, I, I found the Avalanche uh, group pretty endearing, especially in that first hour or so with with the bombing mission. I thought it was a, a pretty damn good introduction to, to Wedge and, and Jesse and Biggs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, bombing mission, it starts off pretty good. When we played it the first time, I remember you and I both messaging about how, like, yeah, that was awesome. Really solid opener. Uh, and then things go to shit. <laughs> Before we move on, though, uh, playing the original again, there is a more chilling atmosphere in the in the reactor, reactor? section. Yeah, fair. I, I can imagine. Yeah, that is to me missing in remake. Um, and with a free camera, and and they they're not focusing you on the whole scene. They they do and like in a pre-rendered classic RPG. You see so much at once because your view is often very zoomed out. Yeah. So I get that they probably couldn't do that perfectly. I feel like they could have done it with a cutscene, but it, that that vibe to me was missing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was missing from the other reactors also. I see. Um, atmosphere in this game and, and and mood is actually something we'll touch on a little bit when we get to the sector seven too, because I have some complaints there. But all right. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, how long would you say that bombing mission took in Final Fantasy VII on the PSX? Ooh, jeez. Um, 20 minutes, half an hour? Probably less. Maybe around there, because I, I, I know I did some grinding on soldiers early. For oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not very long. Okay. Um, I'd say if you're just running through it for story, you could probably do it in like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay, whereas in the remake, it, it's probably a good hour or so, right? Yeah, it's a bigger chunk for sure. Okay, all right. Um, so after you get out of the uh, the reactor that you've blown up, um, and of course they do make a change here right away, right? They they have it so that the reason the explosion is as big as it was is because Shinra knows that you're going to be doing this and kind of makes it look like you're being more destructive than you intended to be. Right. Um, so anyhow, that's a small change in the grand scheme of things. A little bit of a flavored change and, and gives a bit more intrigue, I guess. Makes Shinra a bit more of this kind of all-knowing corporate entity I, I was okay with it um yeah you could argue that that makes them more competent as bad guys yeah for sure um yeah so but already already they are changing stuff pretty quick um right so right away after you get out of the bombing mission just a slow meandering section through the rubble of uh of the sector that that the reactor you just blew up was in um do you want to get into that, or do you want? Well, to I'm just. Gonna, I, I just remember in in like it's fine showing some of the destruction and stuff like that. I really felt like a lot of this game could just be a cutscene, but instead they make me walk through it slow. Yes. Right. Yes. There's a lot of that. This is a problem with I think a lot of AAA games nowadays. Like Red Dead Redemption Two is notorious for this. There's tons of important character dialogue and story moments that you basically are walking or riding a horse for, and you just have to hold forward. Um, and I'm just so sick of that instinct. Just give me cutscene. Okay. I, I don't I don't <laughs> need to play this. I, it's not more immersive. It's just to hold forward. Yeah, there, there's never a moment where your input is going to change the outcome or or matter at all. Right. It's so I I have a note in here about a, a section like that later where. You could just communicate to me what you're trying to say in a cutscene, and you know, I, I, this isn't me. Like, I, I didn't make a character where my actions 
at least to me from like a, in a role play perspective, I guess, w- would matter there. Or I could probably get into it more there. I want to see what Cloud does. I want to see his reaction to this shit. I don't need to be walking him forward. Like, let me see what he thinks about what's happening and what people are saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, definitely agree with that. Fewer fucking walking sections, please. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyhow, you get to a point where all of a sudden, Sephiroth is there. Uh, yes. <laughs> Sephiroth showing up right away. We've kind of touched on this already, but this is another example of them treating you like somebody who has already done a class on Final Fantasy VII lore, um, and you know everything about this game and its characters. And showing him right away like this, it's, it's entirely a fan service thing. It's just a, oh, we know you guys just couldn't wait a second longer to see your favorite Dommy Mommy Sephiroth. Here he is. <laughs> It just feels so cheap, and I'm just, I just don't like being pandered to in that way, so it, it really cheapened the reveal of him for me. Um, also, in the original game, tell me how you feel about this, John. Cloud has this kind of like little mental... like He has like a headache almost. He grabs his head and has those like something's not quite right moments, but there's a bit more mystery to what exactly is going on there. Yeah. In this game, yeah, right sure. away, I am basically told Cloud has, has hallucinations. Like he's he's having some serious mental crisis right now, because he sees yep, someone who's, who's not there, and it's a com- just a completely different way to perceive Cloud right at the start of the game compared to the original right now, right? Like in the original, I I, yeah. I I trust him more implicitly. I trust what he has to say more implicitly. Right away, I'm being told in this game maybe he's not the most reliable person because he sees people who aren't there. Um, yeah, it's just a big big tonal shift and a big character introduction change which i don't think works for me yeah and and just what they're introducing zephroth here it, it, again it's it feels like a prior knowledge thing like we know how cool this is because zephroth's cool and we love the old game um, that's it you you said it. that's exactly the thought that went into this scene that was well well said but the consequence here is, and if you've played the original recently, I, I think most people would agree, um, the reveal of Sephiroth there is so much more chilling. Like, the build-up to that and painting a picture of just what a fucking powerful force this guy is, is, is handled really well when you get to Calm Village. But here, Sephiroth is a fucking pest. He just he shows up in your mind, whatever, to deliver some flowery dialogue like that fucking thing from Advent Children that's everywhere now. It's like, let me give you despair. It's so fucking anime. Um, and there's a similar line in here about power and suffering that I'll make fun of later. <laughs> it's yeah, it really, really cheapened the character. It, it kind of ruined Sephiroth in, in this game because he's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, what was I going to say else about Sephiroth? Oh, he, so this is skipping ahead quite a bit. But so with the reveal in the original game, it's this trail of blood leading to the the president of Shinra who's been murdered, right? With a giant sword stuck through his body. I oh, just sorry, played this section. You don't even see him there, do you? Uh, right. You know, I thought you did. My memory of that was that you actually saw him there. But I think that um, that happens later, possibly. Um, but... You, your first actual sight of Sephiroth is in the Com flashback. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Um, and and uh, that or, uh, you're in Com Village and you're flashing back to Nibelheim. Right. So, Meaning you also get to you, have that scene with him in in a battle 
then too, right? Yes, you get he, yeah. Right, right away they establish what a fucking monster this guy is when he two shots a dragon. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then uh, you have that great slow that little development there where you go to the reactor. Sephiroth manages. I'm failing to explain this, but Sephiroth sees what Hojo is doing by putting people, or it might be guessed at this point, but what's happening with people submerged in Mako, mm-hmm. Mako. Um, and how they're turning into monsters, and he has his freak-out moment. Again, this is a great time to criticize the original. Um, that could have been developed more. The the sudden freak-out there, uh, they could have developed that a bit more with the, a more gradual... Um, I don't even know how to word it, but uh, of Sephiroth building up to questioning just what he is, but suddenly to flip, like on a dime there, and right. suddenly he's a bad guy. I yeah. thought that was a little... We're, we're clearly missing a lot of context for him there, right? Like, like we, we don't have a lot of his backstory explained there, even in the original. Yes, and this would have been a great thing for the remake series to expand on. Yeah. Uh, or, or, like, even if, if it was just the Midgar section. This is the kind of thing they should have filled in. Dude, don't even have... get me started on how this was such an <laughs> opportunity to improve upon an already pretty good story from the original game and, yes. and flesh it out <laughs> and actually make it better. They missed the mark every time. Every time they had oh, the opportunity to improve something, they either kept it the same or made it worse. There, there is maybe one thing that I'm, I'm happy they did a little better with the writing, but I also just found out before the podcast that it's an optional scene, so you might not have even seen it. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk about that a bit later, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sep- Sephiroth to me is just massively cheapened maybe that's not the right word but it's it's a letdown for uh how great the reveal was in the original sure um and again it's because they expect you or seemingly expect you to already know about him yeah well so so just um, for yeah. quick quick like a quick comparison right in in the original game sephiroth has done two things in the real world with real world effects and consequences that you can see firsthand one is the murdering of the president of shinra or he's, yep. he's so powerful, he can get to the top of this tower untouched and just kill the president of this whole operation like it's nothing. Also, there's a lovely like trail of blood leading up to it. It's very like it's a graphic little scene for a PS1 game. Did you notice? And the music it, they give you is yes, really good. Yes, super eerie. Did you notice in this game, John, that the trail of blood was, was like this little weird plasma goo because it hadn't actually happened yet? I referred to that as Genova Jizz. Genova Jizz. I assume... I assumed it was uh, whoever was carrying Genova around leaving the trail. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. Fair enough. Um, yeah, very good. Anyhow, just a different presentation in this game, which which looked way worse in my opinion. But uh, so you. I don't see... know why showing the blood trail is even an issue. I don't know if they did that for a ratings thing. Yeah, who, who knows? Who knows? Um, and then the other thing he does is kill that giant uh, snake. Yeah. Oh, yes. Which is awesome. Right, and that's that's before the calm scene, right? That's, uh, I know, I think it's calm scene first, and then just before you cross that swamp into Mithril Cave, uh, you see that snake. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, and, they, you know, they're speculating that it's Sephiroth. It's like, did Sephiroth do this? Again, they're just, they're slowly hinting at what a fucking monster this guy is. Yeah. Um, and none of that happens here. <laughs> no, so in this game, he just shows up immediately and, and torments mm-hmm. Cloud. Mentally, and it has no bearing on anything, right? Because it's all just a, like a hallucination. So it's also just not, the stakes are super low. Because you know nothing's going to happen. He's not actually there. Um, right. And okay. if, if you didn't play the original, then 
you you, you don't see Sephiroth that much in these little flashbacks. Uh, running, I mean, maybe there's more in the side quests. I'm not sure, but running through the story, there's there's really not there's a handful of appearances, so it's not super egregious, but none of them add any fucking weight to the character or any any value. So by the time you reach the end, you're just like the rest of the party. I, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know everything about him already, um, yeah. Uh, I want to move on to the slums quickly. Anything else to say about that Sephiroth intro? Uh, nope, it's bad. Let's move on. Okay, the slums, <laughs> I, I really... This is where the game, to me, took a huge dive pacing-wise. Um, they slow... They pull the fucking brakes so hard as soon as you get to the Sector 7 slums, and there's so much little inane bullshit for you to do. I, yes. I really dislike the old lady landlord character. She is such a nothing addition to me. I got no value out of her being in the game whatsoever. Um, I didn't like that she was like this chaperone for Tifa and Cloud. They're adults. Let them interact with each other like the adults they are. <laughs> yeah, she her existence is super unnecessary. So, yeah. I, I lied. Can we can we actually go back for a second? Sure, There's some, sure. some things I wanted to say about this because um, uh, I have some more notes here about the original. I forgot about. Go for it. Uh, so in the remake, I thought they did the Aerith flower scene better. Okay. Um, Instead of making it a, a weird dialogue choice, I think it's better that she just gives it to him. Um, I thought that was fine. I thought they did good there. On the train shortly after, uh, Jesse says that Cloud's face is dirty and leans in close to wipe it. it, it, it again, it just kind of builds on her uh, attract, like immediate attraction towards him, right? Right. This is sorry, this is in the original. No, this this is remake. Okay. Uh, I'm just like. I should say, comparing remake to original, I had some extra notes here nice. about what remake did did well. So I want I wanted to point out some things that I do actually like from this fucking game. <laughs> um, and then it continues when and, and there's again there's some bad too. It continues when you examine the monitor with her. And Cloud just plays it cool and silently watches. In the original, he comes across as more natural, but he's far less of a douchebag. Mm. <laughs> and in the remake, if I remember, he's a bit of a, a dick. And then uh, Jesse. Uh, like shushes him and says there's such a thing as playing it too hard to get or something like that yeah yeah yes, they yeah. they added that and they added that because this version of cloud is a dick right um and also in the original cloud also understands that nobody chooses the slum life and to suffer under the plates in the remake he says leaving has quote-unquote always worked for me it's another douchey thing to say because this cloud has to be an asshole until People melt his cold anime heart. <laughs> <laughs> and they give, in the remake, they give Barrett the line about people not having a choice. Oh, I see. Um, so you can just see some of the concessions they made to make this cloud more of an asshole. Yeah. Um, the dialogue on the train, the first train ride where you run into those really cringy Shinra workers who do that like golf clap thing when they talk about the Shinra creed. It did not offend me as bad this time, so that was good. <laughs> good. It's still cringy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, still very, very cringy. Um, and I had some notes here about graphics and stuff that we can come back to later. But yeah, let's, let's, let's move back to the slums there. Okay. Um, one of the other things I really didn't like about the slums was in the original game, you really get this oppressive, like, Everything is dark here all the time because we're under the plate. There's really no natural sunlight. It's just these big bulbs that they put up there for us to have some light to see by. Um, and that's that's just the the design or the the style, right? It just feels darker and grungier. In this game, right. you have a huge window into the open sky between the plate and, and the slum, 
and there's just a bunch of natural sunlight shining down into the scene all the time. It's super brightly lit. It's just a completely different tone change. It's it's a much uh, brighter vibe than the original, yeah. but what they're doing is really undermining the message of how bad it is to be in the slums. And again, it, it is bad to be in the slums. Everything these guys own is like... The houses they live in are built out of fucking scrap. It is right. bad. But the atmosphere is way less oppressive than it was in the original. Yeah, it was. They, they sacrificed atmosphere for no reason. I just don't get why they made the choice. This this one just kind of baffled me a bit. Right. Um, like they could have had the scene. Like they could have had scenes with sunlight. You know, when you climb the plate and go to the Shinra building and stuff. Like, if if they were worried about people not understanding the geography or the architecture of Midgar, and I mean that was clearly never much of a concern for the original. Um, yeah, I just didn't. I just didn't get it. I didn't understand why they decided to make that atmospheric change. It seemed to to be much less effective for me. Anyways, yeah, I like what you just said there. They could have uh, really shown that contrast by having a much brighter atmosphere when you're up on the platform. Ex- exactly right. Wouldn't that be see that? That's an example of good writing, though, right? <laughs> so that contradicts their their fundamental um, philosophy here. Um, I'll try not to be so catty the whole time. Sorry, sorry guys, that came off as really catty. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anyhow, uh, the slums, the, I've talked about the old landlord lady, she, again, self-indulgent, she did not need to be there, she doesn't add anything at all, let Cloud and Tifa have a relationship develop between the two of them, they did not need a third party to, like, mediate it, uh, she's awful, I just, every time she came on screen, I was like, is she gonna die at some point, is Cloud gonna cut her head off, that'd be cool, he kills people in this game until the whispers stop him. She wasn't in the original game, so she could die and the Whispers wouldn't have anything to say about it. It never happened. There you go. Yeah. Um, uh, my next note here I have is about Chadley already. Is there anything else you want to say about the slums? Uh, in Cloud's apartment, or in, in Tifa and Cloud's apartment, is the first time you see one of the robed reunion guides in the remake. And yep. they are so fucking not subtle about it. <laughs> the first time you see a reunion guy that I'm aware of in the original is when you're with Eris and you're in the Sector 5 slums. There's a guy who's like out of his mind, drugged up or whatever on Mako, and he's got one of those numbered tattoos, and he's in this little capsule house, and he's it's more of a mystery about bleh, excuse me, more of a mystery about what these guys are. Yeah, whereas well, 100%, here. Yeah. He's in a fucking Sith robe, and he's just saying reunion over and over again. Fuck. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no subtlety whatsoever. Yeah, they're they're definitely afraid of you missing stuff, like missing plot points or or missing a theme, missing a character development. Like, I'll get to a point later on where I felt they really, they couldn't bear for you to miss the implications, so they had a character just say it out loud. But yeah, another, (laughs) yeah, the the Sith robe (laughs) reunion is another good example of that. Uh, the old lady, the landlady, is perfectly polite when she says, you must be Cloud, and all our little bitch boy can do is grunt again, because this Cliss Cloud is an asshole. Yep. Um, uh, the scene where Barrett freaks out about Cloud just existing near his daughter was weird. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. In Seventh Heaven. I, I have a note here where it's in, it, it only happens because you as the player tried to talk to Marlene, and maybe they're trying to comment on talking to strangers or some weird shit i'm giving them way too much credit there but i i think i'm thinking this is missable if you don't try to talk to marlene in that in that scene but it's just fucking weird sure um i i don't know why they decided to do that but in the original marlene is just shy around cloud and it comes across as way more natural than this weird freak out yep 
Uh, but yeah, we can move on to Chadley now. Okay. I just uh, Chadley was an addition for you to have some side content to worry about, and he was he's also how you unlock all the summons in this game. Um, yes. And fighting, so you unlock them by fighting them, which is a awesome change. Really cool to fight summons. Like they're never gonna say no to that. Um, but you do it by putting on. So this is a presentation problem, right? Chadley is a weird, like, Shinra employee who's developing VR or something. And then you do a VR fight with a mythical being. And if you win, you get materia to summon it. Like, it just... What? So I put... And, and Cloud literally bizarre. puts on a VR headset to do so. It just looks so silly. Uh, like, if you wanted to have the summons be a sick, like, fight to get them in this game, put them as part of the world in, like, a cool little side I was area. just about to say that. Like, like why didn't they fucking do that? Like, the, the summon materia, or materia in general, is that condensation of Mako energy, right? Like, yeah. There could have been new, incredible environments created that are, like, you know, where the materia was formed, and it's, like, themed after the summon itself. Oh, like, yeah. Just part of the world that would have been fucking awesome, and instead it's VR battles, and, like, I think you get the Choco... Chocobo and Mog summon randomly in like a fan vent or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I think you get maybe Ifrit also outside of the VR crap. Right. Shiva is the. I, the, I had like three summons in the whole game. I had uh, Chocomog, I think I had Ifrit, and I had Shiva because I didn't bother with any of the other shit. Gotcha. And how you get them is extremely lame. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> the, original, the original, in a lot of ways, is not much better. Um, no, I'm not going to argue that, but this was an opportunity to make it mean more with uh, graphics this fucking good. Yeah, and again, like in a sense, they tried because they they let you fight them, but they were so lazy about how you go about doing that. Like the presentation is so yeah. bad, it almost neutralizes the coolness of that fight with Shiva. You know what I mean? And Ch- Chadley as a character model just looked so out of yes, place to me. Yes, every time I see him, I'm like, what game are you supposed to be in? Because it's not this one. Go back to is he your supposed game. to be is he supposed to be one of the fucking white haired twins from FF fourteen or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He would fit very <laughs> he, well he in looked, FF fourteen, yeah. <laughs> he looked just so out of place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did not like that addition. The VR battles were stupid. Yeah. Um another missed opportunity. Yep. And just just weird. Just fucking weird. Again, the the new content in this game always stands out so starkly against what, what you remember. Um, and it's almost never for the better. Like, I could always tell when I was playing a part of the game that was really closely aligned to the original because I would I would enjoy it more. Um, and then as soon mm-hmm. as I would come into contact with, like, a Chadley, I was like, fuck, God, this is the best they could do for new stuff? This, this, is, this is their new idea? Fuck this. Yeah, exactly. And the side quests, too. Because one of the first things you're asked to do is find a fucking cat that stole a pastry. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal like, first side quest. That's that's where I decided not to do side quests. <laughs> Ter- like, what a terrible um, introduction to like your, your side quests in the game. Oh, none of them are going to have any weight to them or matter whatsoever because you're trying to track down a cat. Oh, uh, I want to point... This is a, uh, where I want to point out the tech issues that actually do really bother me. Okay. Uh, there's, there's, only, there's only two. One you could argue is a design choice and not tech, but I'll bring it up anyway. One, and I don't know if this is a consequence of using Unreal Engine or, or some limitation they hadn't figured out a way around yet, but the audio constantly cuts out based on the rotation of your camera. Oh. So 
story scenes or those walking cut scenes where they're trying to say something important, potentially important, I frequently completely, almost completely lost the audio of the other character's voice because I was I was allowed to play in this section. Right. So I'm doing what I want to do. I'm looking at things. And if I look at things the wrong way, the voice fucking almost entirely <laughs> dies off. Yeah. And it was it was infuriating. It happened all the time. Um, and, you know, that that's one where... That is that is a mistake. You need to fix that shit. Like that's that's one I won't really let go. <laughs> Number two, not really a tech issue, but again, during those walking scenes, none of the NPC dialogue, the incidental shit of all the people surrounding you, is muted or cut off. So they are constantly talking loudly over Tifa, for example. Right. They're walking around collecting filters. Yep. So. I, I don't know about you, but I can't really pay attention to what she's saying while this other asshole is screaming in my ear about some shit. Um, and that, again, that happened all the time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it was it was it definitely was, less of an issue for me playing Japanese because I didn't understand it. Um, for the most part, enough. right? I did hear a word here and there that I knew, but I really wasn't uh, translating the sentences in my head. So it was pretty easy for me to kind of just hear it as background noise and then just read the okay. text on the bottom of the screen of whatever Tifa was saying. But yes, I remember... One of your complaints when, when we played this back the first time a year ago, but I remember feeling the same way in English, is everybody's talking all the time. It's really hard to like listen to who you want to listen to. Oh, yeah, and it never stops. Like They will repeat their dialogue if you stand near them, uh, and it's just it's on a loop endlessly. So instead of going up and talking to an NPC and seeing what they have to say, they're constantly saying it. Yep. Um, and it really in a lot of ways kills it can kill the atmosphere in some areas you know a quiet moment is ruined by these fucking dudes who never shut up yeah, yeah. and the worst the worst offender though is when someone important to the story is trying to say something that might develop their character a bit or just might be something fun that could help you get in the game it's frequently interrupted by this crap <laughs> yeah yeah you 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 lose yeah you, you lose out because of it the game is is the product is worse because of it yeah right disappointing uh decision frankly um <laughs> after okay after the slums i started complaining about the music here i think i said this i've said this previously but i like some of the new arrangements for for the music in this game um i think that they're way too sparing with the game's original soundtrack and you're hearing way too much new stuff which just isn't nearly as good it's not even close to the same quality um so I, well, it's funny you say that because it. I'm I'm coming back to the noise comment. It, it sounds like more noise. Like the best parts of the music I'm hearing are the parts that remind me of the original. Yes, exactly right. No, that's what I'm saying. Like every time you hear music from the original, you're like, hell yeah, something familiar that's awesome and actually serves the atmosphere. And every time right. it's new stuff, it, yes, it just it just feels like kind of noise. Yeah, it's just adding to the the too much. <laughs> Um, yep. Yeah, I'd say I li I've listened to the whole soundtrack, and I'd say the vast majority of the original music just doesn't do it for me. I don't know. Obviously, music is a tough one because I have a lot of feelings and memories tied up in the original soundtrack. But why not take advantage of that? Like they're they're so happy to you know fucking shove Sephiroth up my ass as soon as they can, <laughs> but I can't, I don't get to hear my favorite songs from my childhood because they have a bunch of like. Why there are we putting in all the effort to... Anyways, I, I guess there is a lot of new content in this game. It's just all bad. Um, Remind me, did they waste the awesome Nibelheim fire music on the first flashback? 
with Sephiroth. I, I don't remember, to be honest with you. I'm going to have to look that up okay. after. Yeah. I hope they didn't, because that would be dumb. <laughs> yeah. um, so th- my next note is about how impossibly lame Roche is. Is okay. there anything else you want to no, get no, into? Yeah, let's get into Roche. You know, I'm going to let you kind of lead us with your notes, and I'll, I'll chime in. I have, I have like, nothing good to say about Roche. My only fucking note here is he is the most impossibly lame Kingdom Heartsian bullshit in this game. But using the bike section to establish Jesse as more of a romantic interest was nice. So, but, you know, compliment to, to Shitfest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I fucking hate Roche. He's so unnecessary and dumb and... You know, it would be fine if you had this soldier presence who is a rival to you and appears throughout the game. But why does he have to ride his fucking bike on the walls? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and be just this insane fucking motorbike cowboy stereotype dude. And he's, he's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, he's, just, and, and he's super over the top. Yeah, this, any seriousness of what's happening is, is immediately undercut by his presence in any scene. Yeah. He's not in many of them, which is great. I think he's only in fucking two, but... That's already too many. Yeah, I, I do think just just uh, I wasn't going to quote Dunky, but I'm going to I'm going to use his one quote, which I think is is very prescient for this game, and that's that the original game is a silly game with serious moments. Um, it, it just I don't know. Well, actually, tell me what you think about that quote now that you played more of the original again. But I, I would agree with it with my memory from playing it last year. The original game is a sillier game with serious moments, and this is a serious game with silly moments. Um, I mean, it's a nice soundbite. I don't think it captures everything. There are plenty of, of darker moments in the original. But I, I think what it more comes down to for me is I can suspend disbelief a little bit with those old school chunky graphics and, and get the, the mood they're trying to feed to me through music and the pre-rendered scenes and all that stuff. And I'm more willing to buy the silliness of a moment like when Red 13 is trying to walk like a human wearing that Shinra suit on the, on the boat on the way to Costa del Sol. Right. I'm more willing to buy that looking at it that way. And I, we were talking about this a little bit before we started, but I do understand why they tr- are, are made some of the choices they did because I don't think the original Final Fantasy VII would work looking like this. Right. I don't think anyone would buy those silly scenes presented this way with people that are so close to human. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, but I think that was the, the challenge for them to solve, and the way they went about it is bad. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to our conspiracy um, theory at the end. But yeah, yeah, fair enough. Just just to, to finish that up, and we're going to get to this section a little later, but I would say the... You know, we'll, we'll save it. We'll, we'll revisit that comment. Remind me to revisit that when we get to Wall Market. Okay, sounds good. Um, so next is Wall Market. No, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, the next thing I have is just commenting about how fucking insane the slow walking is in the Jesse's house section. Dude, the Jesse's um, house slow walk, like, oh my God. hurt my brain. I was like, why am I moving so slow? Dude, there's this... Uh, uh, that when you're in her dad's room, yep. the speed you have to walk, and even before that, when you're walking through the little alley to get to the door, yes. is so fucking slow. The alley, the alley really was just too much for me. But anyways, yes, yeah, yeah. I was also bothered a little bit about the gameplay here just because um, when you inspect the supervisor's suit hanging there to get the card, because it took me a while to remember to do that. 
And after you inspect it, there's a line about her dad being a maintenance supervisor. But if that line had come about more naturally before that, it would hint at what you're supposed to do in this fucking room. Because mm. otherwise you're just looking at family pictures and shit until you think to go look at this very bland-looking suit <laughs> hanging on like a wardrobe or something. Right. Um, and yeah, it took me a while to remember that's what you're supposed to do. Um, and I, I thought her last name being Raspberry was really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse, Raz- Jesse, Jesse Raspberry. Jesse Raspberry, yeah. <laughs> and this time around, I like Jesse's character more, but I still think that's a dumb name. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll forgive that because, you know, Cloud Strife, you know, it's it's all silly. Cloud Strife is the coolest um, name ever invented, John. Okay. <laughs> um, what was a what else do I have here? Um, I didn't mind expanding a little bit more on her character, like the acting dreams and stuff. She has a personal stake for being an avalanche with being being what happened to her dad. I, I don't mind that at all. I think that was fine. Um, again, like we were just talking about, where instead of making this playable, make a cutscene. I was going to say, yeah. it just says, make this the fucking cutscene. I was going to say, <laughs> I don't think they needed to do it as a whole separate chapter four or whatever it was. Like, I'd agree with that. Yeah. It didn't need to be a whole bike ride up to the top, infiltrating this thing to get a bomb material. And then Roche, like, it's, there's so much that happens in that chapter. And it's like, dear God, just tell me. The, ah, anyway. Yeah, and and what they say uh, frequently, I'm, like, I don't know if I'm supposed to take these characters seriously or not. Mm-hmm. Because that, that section is followed up by them talking for too long about what a diversion is. And then Wedge has a stupid line of, am I supposed to ask, am I supposed to invite them to dinner? Like, it's, it's a throwaway dumb line right. for comedic value or whatever, but... It's stupid. <laughs> so they're talking about the diversion, and you know, if they're talking about how much time they need to kind of develop these people as professionals at what they do, that would be fine. But the dialogue around it is just so obviously padding. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's so dumb that it could only be padding. Right. Um. Yeah, I liked Jesse's family being used to establish like what Mako poisoning is and things like that. Uh, Biggs and uh, Wedge, uh, the way they talk and they try to talk to Cloud a little bit to soften him up. I thought that was fine. He's starting to care a little bit more about these people. Yep. Um, but again, those things are better as cutscenes. Yep, hundred um, um, percent. What What did you want to get into next? Uh, no, you you keep taking us. What's What's after that? Uh, this continues for a bit and leads to a second Roche fight. Um. And the extra avalanche drama, I felt, was also not great. Like, the existence of these other avalanche branches Agreed. and how they show up to, to save you and shit. It's and also then, not fleshed out at all. Yeah, and then Wedge sacrifices himself for, like, two seconds, but then he's rescued and appears ten seconds later. Yeah. So there's no drama. No. It's comedic relief because he was shot in the, or was bitten in the ass by a dog. Uh, and he already had the, the funny, like, bonding moment where he's luring the dogs away from Cloud during the fight. Right. Like, that, that, that was enough. You didn't need the extra. Yeah. Um, and then this at this point, the constant audio fading was driving me insane. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote enough for me to write it down again. So nice. <laughs> uh, after that, we're going back to Seventh Heaven for a bit. Um, and then my note there is just, I don't know how much you remember about it, but dialogue just being a mix of good awkward and bad awkward. Uh, if I remember correctly, this is after they parachute back down to the Sector 7 slums. Yep. 
Yep. Um, do you remember? You remember that? I do. So Wedge is showing off his cats, and then there's a Jesse flirting scene. Um. The the whole reopening the door to say psych is just kind of like cartoon character weird. Yeah, it's it's anime like, bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's again, it's like too much. It, and um, it's too much like, with these with these graphics in this presentation. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Show me that she's this playful flirt who's kind of kidding with you by making her act it out better. Yep. Um, Tifa rather shyly asking Cloud if he's going to leave too if he's leaving soon, like if if he's done with them essentially. I thought that was good, like good awkward. She's she's having trouble bringing that up. I thought that came across yep. really well. Um, they, you know, they're both too like she wants to stay near Cloud, but they're both too fucking awkward to say it, right? Yep. I thought that was good. Um and Wedge and Jesse have these moments where they seem like real people, and others they're just fucking cartoons. Sure. <laughs> um, at this point, we start to see the fucking fate ghosts because they show up. Um, I think this is where they show up surrounding. Yes, this is where they show up, and Jesse injures her leg, which forces Cloud to go on the mission where he falls into the church. This is where they're starting to set up that deviating ship for no reason. Yeah, I was gonna say because um, what, what did so what did the ghosts accomplish here? The, the only reason they're here is Cloud was not going to go on the mission to uh, the Sector 5 reactor. And what makes him choose to go on the mission in the original? Uh, I think he just... He, he just is, chooses like, just to. part of right? it. Yeah, he's just he's yeah, just uh, going to do it. I've, I, I just played this a few days ago. I don't 100% yeah, remember. It's, probably, it's just another it's, job. He's going to go help them with the next one. Yeah, it's not, it's not an issue there. But here, Jesse... Uh, I, I, you know, I, let me try and remember, actually. I think Tifa might be asking him to do it because of the promise he made. Right. And then there's that flashback about, about the promise. I think that happens there. Okay. But here, the fates show up here because Jesse falls down the stairs and she injures her ankle. So she, she Cloud has to take her place. If, if they didn't do that, he could just be on the thing like normal. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they, they didn't. Well, again, yeah, they, they, they manufacture reasons for the whispers to have to be there. Um, yes, they're not. Which, they're not relevant in any way. They're creating reasons for them to exist to further pad the fucking game. And it also implies, though, that this whole thing is a separate reality from the original game, right? This is not the cloud you played in the 1990s on your PSX. This cloud mm-hmm. exists parallel to him in a different timeline. And it, the, it also just cheapens any kind of choice these characters have. Sure. Um, you know the the relationship between Cloud and Tifa. Um, I'm failing to remember this perfectly, but let's let's pretend that's the reason for a moment. If the relationship between Cloud and Tifa is the reason he decided to go on that mission with them, Cloud made that choice because he cares about Tifa. Yeah. Here, that's entirely cheapened by this, these fucking fates who are ensuring that he goes because this is the only way it's supposed to happen, and they feel like like less. Um, Less like independent people who can make their own fucking choices, right? Yeah, it's also such a mundane way to like show the the like effect of destiny. I don't know how to put this, but like I think in normal in normal I say normal in, in other media where destiny is kind of a main theme, it's more about your kind of overall like what decisions you take will kind of always lead you to the same direction. Um, right. Where in this case it's it's like 
this tiny little event mattered more than anything. And we had to show you the ghost broke Jesse's ankle so he would go on the mission. Um, and it's, it's again, it's like too lost in the details, and, and they're writing these weird, weird ghost sequences to to justify the presence of the ghosts in the first place. I don't know. One, of course, the decision to do this whole multiple fates and destiny, and like we're gonna have a completely different timeline thing it's just a weird decision to begin with uh but I, the execution is also bad yeah yeah it really is and my my favorite example is still probably cloud being willing to kill reno in the church right? the, the faith yeah, yeah the, the fates show up to drag you through and uh, you could probably argue that they were i mean i don't think you fought reno at all in the original in that section it's funny how i just played this and i don't remember yeah but uh, we have made fun of my memory on this podcast before. <laughs> true, very true. <laughs> um, the Reno shows up and the extra Shinra soldiers, and you start trying to escape from the church. So you could say that they showed up because you had a fight to begin with and you weren't forced to flee. Mm-hmm. But they show up the moment Cloud is, puts his fucking sword. He's swinging his sword at the guy's neck like he's ready to decapitate the poor guy. And then they show up and drag you away. Yeah. it's another manufactured thing um, for this fucking alternate timeline crap. Thanks for sticking with us this long. This was the part of the podcast where we had to take a break because John had to pee and Kyle was left alone to question his life decisions that led him to this point discussing this game for this long. Let's just take a second to uh, really feel Kyle's pain. Hmm. Yeah. Do you guys feel it? Oh, he's struggling. Boy, he's struggling. Just like John's struggling to pee. Old man. Okay, lovely break. I hope you enjoyed. Now back to this marathon session. Okay, we were talking about um, Cloud being willing to kill Reno and getting dragged off. And um, right after that, you do start to escape the church. And gameplay-wise, I really, really hated how slow the ceiling crawling was it's one of the million (laughs) slow moving segments of the game man there's so many of them where you just you move at a turtle so many so fucking many of them um yeah it's it's it was fucking bad um we we haven't actually quite reached we just we got distracted by our talking about reno and the and the uh, fucking whispers but before that there's the whole sector five reactor to get through uh, and at this point, you start to see how they make more of a character out of Heidegger, and he's just really lame and cartoonishly evil. Um, he's kind of like that in the original, but you see less of him, so it's less offensive. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a it's a dialogue box that you see once or twice, and it's not this fully acted uh, cutscene that was devoted to, right? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna make an effort to go less granular here and just call out the things that really bug me, but. One of them was Heidegger having this little cutscene where one of his soldiers comes in and says, um, I have a report on the combat abilities of the Avalanche team. And, and what he says is, what good will a report do anyone? Like, it just, <laughs> why, why is he willfully stupid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was dumb. Yep. And there's some more dumb dialogue there and then the whole crab warden boss and stuff. Um, but yeah, at this point, the the control constantly being taken from you with these little micro scenes through these walking sections where you're forced to slow down to a fucking crawl to trigger some minor dialogue they really started to grate on me here uh, enough that i wrote it down again um and 
there's so much more of that in this game, and it's the, it's one of the many momentum killers in this fucking game. Yeah, tons of them. The the, the slow walks again. There's a reason I had a whole section of, of chronicling the slow walking in this game. The right. Slow moving and that. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to say about the Sector Five reactor? Uh, no, it, I hadn't actually played it when when you and I played the game together, the first time when we kind of when I came over and we continued your save file. I hadn't actually done the right. Sector Five reactor, so it was it was new for me this time. Um, it was it was fine. It was it was whatever. It, it was all long. It's it's all it's all just too long. It takes way too long to get through the subway dungeon to get to the mm-hmm. reactor. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's there's no brevity. It, it's crazy how much they they pad the experience. And that that brevity even extends to the mini games, like. In the Sector 5 reactor, there's that simultaneous switch thing you have to do with Barrett and Tifa. Yeah. There are, if I remember correctly, five rounds of that. Right. So, I might be confusing that with those trash switches, but there's there's multiple rounds of this fucking thing, and it's dragged on by... Uh, every time you fail, there's a far too long comment from Tifa Dude. about like trying again or something. That's like the and stuff so that haunts raining. my nightmares. It's like mini games in an RPG that are slow to execute and then if you fail there's a long like time punishment because somebody says something or there's like a loading thing. <laughs> oh god. It's just there, feels There's terrible. a comment when exactly, yeah for sure I agree with that. And there's a comment here when you succeed where she says how good you are at moving these things. <laughs> she's I'm still fucking late. <laughs> like you're a natural I think is what she yeah, says. No kidding. Um, no, so next um, we're into so, meeting Eris then, eh? Yep, then you fall and you're in the church and you have the Reno thing we just talked about and the slow the slow um, jungle gym section on the ceiling. How did you find uh, Cloud uh, and Aerith's meeting in this game? Uh, I might actually have some notes about that. Um, let's see here. We're falling and meeting Eris. Remakes attempts to add new content here were clumsy. It's just how it felt at the time. Having said that, the original's dialogue here wasn't exactly good. It's a little clumsy and awkward when you're talking to Eris. Uh, yeah, I still think that. I was playing these simultaneously, so I haven't been in the church in the original for a while. But um, sometimes it is too brief, uh, and they do fail to get across what they're, I assume, trying to get across, judging by this game. Right. Um, so it, it would have been a great opportunity for more natural dialogue there. I don't think Remake did it very well. Um, uh, they did a better job of bringing up the the holy materia, I think, that Aerith carries around. Um, in, in the original, I think she just brings it up randomly. And in the Remake... Um, uh, she brings it up because she hands Cloud materia that he dropped when he fell. So it's a good way to segue into that subject okay. and a little thing. You know, in the original, they could have acted that out with the models they had, but here they did. They did a good job of, like, redoing that, I guess. Right. Um, not too much to say here. Uh, after you get out of the... You're in another walking section where you're walking along, like, the rafters and everything. Yeah. Um, like, it goes too far. Too goes far, too long. Too long. Always. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fucking fate ghosts appear again um, oh no no this is a note about the Reno thing we got into that a bit too early but here I would have talked about the Reno fight and the ghosts and shit but after that I thought the walk and talk on the rooftops was decent but the spatial audio issues again Bugged were you. really <laughs> taking me out of it yeah. 
every fucking time, man. Um, and again, simple things said long because this section is just too long. Uh, and at that point, you get to Aerith's house. Is there anything you want to say about that? Uh, I hate Aerith's mom in this game. <laughs> she's too. She's too like. She's just too much of a character. She's too assertive and has something to say all the time. And like, I don't fucking care about you. It really bugged me later in the game when when the the team is like convincing her that they're gonna go save Eris, and she's like, yes. "No, you're just gonna make it worse." And you're like, "Shut the fuck! I don't care what you think. Like, why why are we def- why are we <laughs> deferring to her mother? We're adults. Go save her if you're gonna save her. Like, you don't. We're gonna come back to that. Okay, but yeah, that that section with her was I fucking hated. Yeah, that part. it's like you don't even know this woman. Also, like, why? Anyways, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to compare it to the original there again Sweet. when we get there. Okay. Um, so after this, you're you're doing that little quest where you have to save those kids. Um, and there was another technical thing there where I killed an enemy too close to the cutscene, so that enemy self-destructed during the cutscene, and it was hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. You know, I, I'll forgive that one. That one was just yeah. Funny. That's that's, but, that's just funny. Yeah. They they could have controlled the size of the arena, so that would that would be impossible. It's just a, a minor oversight. Yeah. Um, you get another hammy reunion guy, and then Sephiroth shows up to briefly molest Cloud in his mind. <laughs> he like knocks him down, and he's like he's like on top of Cloud for a second. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I thought this version of Rude wasn't terrible, but he has one of the most. He has one of the worst anime grunting moments in the whole game. The helicopter one? And that's when, he, yes, when he's on the fucking copter and he's riding away and you get like, you get like five or six seconds of just, uh, 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 just like <laughs> that, was, yeah, that was a great reenactment of it. Yeah. <laughs> fucking hate it. Uh, and you head back to the house. Sneaking out of the house was fucking awful because Dude. the camera immediately blocked one of the buckets by cloud's leg and i hit it like three times so and then the game the game eventually <laughs> just removes the bucket for you did you did you fail so many times that it just got rid of it <laughs> yeah they made it way easier and then i finally got yeah me it. too i i literally was like what the fuck this why is this so hard right now and then eventually it just took the bucket away and i was like oh thank fucking God. yeah that was a terrible yeah. moment i have it down here it as was well. fucking so unnecessary and dumb yep <laughs> Because um, in the original, do you not just have to walk out of your room? You're not actually trying to avoid kicking things, are you? I don't know if you can hit things. There might be something like that, but I think it's more about sprinting and that yeah. if you sprint, you're fucked. Yeah. Uh, and if you go, I think in the original, if you walk too far, because uh, there's an item in Cloud's room, and if you turn around, you'll trigger a squeaky floorboard, and that also does it. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was it was way less of a nuisance than than this. And they know it's a pain in the ass. That's why they make it uh, more tolerable after you fail a few times. Yeah, exactly. They wouldn't do that if they if they knew it, didn't know it was so shitty, right? Yeah, give Cloud like a tiptoeing animation, and if you accidentally sprint, you're fucked. Yeah, would have been enough. Yep. Uh, after this, we get to a section I like to call robots and cringe. Robots um, and cringe. We're at the giant robot arm section. Don't you love that section? That's my favorite section of the game. It's my. It's the section in the original game <laughs> that I felt needed to be expanded to include multiple robot arms moving moving things I, when I played the original back in the 90s I remember thinking <laughs> if they ever remake this game 
these robot arms need to become a pivotal gameplay minigame moment. And thankfully, they that's, did. That's what I thought. Yeah. 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 We were all shouting. So this, is, this earned a full point of the final rating for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I fucking hated that minigame. And it was it's just because more of the waiting. And there, there are some touches they could have added to make it more tolerable. Like if you're going to put a box down in one of the squares where Aerith is standing and she has the ability to move to another square, why didn't she just do that? Right. Instead of making you put the box down, pick up Eris, move Eris, pick up the box, move the box, pick up Eris again. Yep. It's fucking infuriating, and it's just another example of bloat. Yep. Um, but, you know, I can get over that. The, the thing I hate the most about this fucking section is those, are those thieves who have that one line, do recompense. Do recompense. Like, <laughs> always reminds me of your King Trode class. <laughs> Do or <Magus! laughs> Still love it. Thank you. Um, but yeah, these guys are just so fucking cringeworthy. I, 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 I don't know why they're here. It's not funny. Oh, it's, it's, it's um, the antithesis of funny. Like, it, it's, it makes it so that I can't enjoy actual comedy for weeks at a time. Like, if I see that scene again, <laughs> it sucks the joy out of my life for a while. Like, it's so bad. So bad. It, it's fucking bad. And then there, um, uh, there's a moment here where Cloud has a, a little mental moment when he hears Zack's name. I thought that was a good touch. Okay. Um, I thought they did that that well or adding that like was, when was when Aerith nice. says the name and he kind of like doesn't hear it is that how it works I forget I, th- I think that's that's what happens where it, you get a, a where you see her mouth it and yeah. the cloud has but the like little, there's a sound the small episode yeah, yeah, yeah. yes yeah. thought that was a great touch that was nice mm-hmm. um, and that you know that should bring back some fucking memories for the man right so after this we're in Wall Market is there anything you'd like to get into about Wall Market oh Wall Market to me is just the best example of the uh, the self indulgence because it's a scene or it's it's a part of the game that's actually pretty fucking brief in the original. Um, yeah, it's not very long. And it culminates in, in Cloud wearing a dress, which is a funny moment. And I think everybody was very curious to see how they were going to handle that with the remake. Um, and yeah, they decided to have Chocobo Sam be a character and this like trio of <laughs> of you know movers and shakers that kind of runs Wall Market aside from Don Carneo with. Chocobo Sam, the hand massage lady, and the honeybee guy, and it just dragged on so hard for me. Um, I found the the whole arena thing was like making it a necessary thing to pr- progress in the story was super painful, especially because it was so slow. So every time before you get into a fight, there's like a huge announcement with those two fucking announcer sunglass fuckers. Um, yep. The boss fight at the end of it all with the Hellhouse really sucked. I have a note here that there's a there's a point in the fight. I actually looked it up while I was fighting him because I was like, what am I supposed to do here? I can't damage him at certain parts. And um, he just goes invincible for a while, and you're just supposed to wait it out until the barrier goes down. And I was like, that's terrible boss fight design. Um, I thought he had like a rotating element. He does. His, his shield is separate and apart from that yet, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bad. So thing. it's just it's just designed to make you wait. Just designed to make you wait, hundred percent. Well, isn't that lame? isn't that something? Yeah. So so I really the wall market section really graded on me. Um, yeah, it was just too much. It was it was one of the most self indulgent for sure. Yeah, I, I feel like despite what they added here, there are moments in the original I felt like they had more personality. Oh yeah. Um, 
we're, we're not quite at the Don's mansion yet, but I'll, I'll bring it up here anyway. Uh, there's a scene in the Don's basement where there's, there's a little skit they do in the original I really liked where Eris plugs her ears so that Tifa and Cloud can talk. But she keeps turning around to look at them because she's curious. Right. Like she, she wants to fucking eavesdrop. And then you find out that she did anyway and she heard everything. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's that kind of little comedy that they did there is funnier to me than anything they've added here. Sure. Yeah. Um, I did like how in the original uh, Tifa and Eris hardly even acknowledge Cloud's attempts to protect them. By keeping them out of it, like <laughs> they've been in danger and they can handle themselves, so they just move right past it. Right, like they know he's worried about them, but it's like, oh fuck off! I know how to fight. <laughs> I, I liked that. Um, in the remake, getting information from the guys driving the caravan is a nice touch. I thought that was fine. Uh, Chocobo Sam bothered me a little less this time around. Uh, I still think he's unnecessary, um, but. They're too involved now. It's it's more fucking needless filler, right? Yep. But being clued into how Corneo, his personality and how he has people that do these disgusting things for him, like scouting girls. I didn't mind that they developed that a little bit. I thought that was okay. Um, a funny thing they did add that I thought was quite, that actually made me laugh a bit, was Johnny here in Wall Market and his dialogue about Tifa and how he's just running off to find her. I thought that was kind of charming. Okay because um, he does care about this character. Right. And I enjoyed seeing him visiting the trio, but, and he's at the arena and he's got his fucking ass handed to him. Like, it's, it made me laugh and like the poor guy is really trying. Yeah, yeah, Johnny's <laughs> just super, actually, I, I will say, I really didn't like his intro scene in the Sector 7 slums. Um, Agreed. But yes, he he was actually pretty endearing himself uh, in, in the wall market scenes because he's just this, he seems like just a complete idiot douchebag in the intro, but he's this super earnest idiot, <laughs> and, and it's it's yeah, he, a bit more charming. He sees how strong Cloud is. He wants to call him bro all the yeah, time, yeah, and yeah. he's obsessed with Tifa. Like they, that that was the kind of silliness, maybe even the closest they got to the original silliness that they actually got a chuckle out of. Yeah, him. that worked. Yeah. Um. So I didn't mind the idea of the revamped quest chain that they had there, again, because the idea of Corneo having these these higher-ups working for him doing these things, it's not a bad idea. Um, but the tasks you do for them, they're too long. The arena is too fucking long. The fight intros are too fucking long. <laughs> um, the advice that you get from, for whatever reason, like Madam M and Chocobo Sam are giving Cloud like life advice in one section. Yep. I just thought that 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 rubbed me the wrong way so much. A uh, little Madam M massage pun for you. Ooh, nice. <laughs> that that bothered me because these scum fucking assholes who like lure women to this fucking place to be Corneo's sex slaves or whatever the fuck's going on there, they're gonna give me fucking life advice. Sure. Yeah. Also, also like they're gonna, yeah. Why why are they so invested in him at all? Like you're, yeah. you're just asking them for a favor to fucking get information. Like you, you, sh- <laughs> the relationships are not earned there at all. No, not not even remotely. Yeah, even um, though she and gave what they could have done a hand job. <laughs> oh yeah, and I, I, a literal a hand literal job. hand job because she massages his hand apparently. Um. Yeah, the massage parlor was weird. It's just fucking weird. Yep. Uh, tournament felt like filler. Um. The idea of a fight club in Wall Market is fitting, but at the same time, 
I, I can't help but worry about how they're going to redirect events from the rest of the game. Like, seeing a battle arena appear here, is, is Midgar going to be more central? And is this going to be a replacement for the craziness of the Gold Saucer? Right. I doubt it. But, you know, the, the battle arena in the Gold Saucer is, as far as I know, in the original, the only battle arena. Right. You know, th this, um, is, this is a so, point I, I, I wanted to make at some point. I'll make it now, but... Because they sure. decided to make this a, like, quote-unquote complete game, they felt the need to include a lot of things that wouldn't have otherwise been in this section, right? Like, you, right. you get way more summons than you should. You, I mean, for, for how much of the game you're actually going through. You, you get way too many, like... You get a lot of weapons that you, you, you know, shouldn't get, per se. You get more moves than you should get. But you, you just... At the end of the game, the whispers turn into Bahamut because just why not Bahamut? Like they just felt the need to show you, like so much stuff that they felt was would have been missed otherwise, and, and made this not feel like a complete game. But you're right; it makes it weird for. Well, what's the next one going to be like then? If they've already done the mm -hmm. arena battling here, well, what's going to be in the next one? Yeah, and there's a moment in the original. Um... I'm a little rusty on it, but I believe at some point you are forced to go through the battle arena for the story. Mm -hmm. So are you going to do another story arc of a battle arena in the, in the remake? Like, are you going to use that gimmick twice? You can only hope. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to expect there. It doesn't really matter. I'm not going to play them. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I overall, I appreciated what they were trying to do, I guess, or... Um, expanding a little bit on how wall market as the cd place works but it's they didn't do it well um yeah i, I like you hellhouse sucked i didn't have too much trouble because i was playing on easy but it was a boring fight um there was one thing i liked here there's this idle comment from an npc about enjoying wall markets quote-unquote chaos because there's nothing like it on the plate i would have liked to see more of that oh yeah like people from the plate coming down to the slums to like indulge themselves and like kind of getting a sense of this two-faced nature of the people who live above the slums. Mm. Like, they'll come down here to do seedy shit, but they're happy to return to the plate, right? Like, give me, paint a better picture of, like, the squalor these people are supposed to live in. Yeah. Um, yes, honeybee in time. Kyle, go off on the honeybee in. I don't, I like, this, this, I'm losing energy here. Like I don't have, I'm losing. The game is almost like winning because I don't have the energy to shit on it anymore. But um, the the honeybee and I, I, I just thought it was again super self indulgent. I really wasn't charmed by it at all. It just felt like an excuse to pad out the clouds wearing a dress. Look how silly he he. Um, and and again, it just what the cloud would never participate in that. Cloud would never have gone up on stage and danced. Like what? He, like you said this version of cloud would not have yeah definitely not this version of cloud because he can barely give Aerith a high five he has to hold the triangle button for five seconds to pull out a high five um yeah. but suddenly he can do choreographed dance moves with somebody who wants to fuck his brains out um yeah i don't know it's just the whole thing again it doesn't it wasn't super offensive or anything like i just didn't find it it added anything I thought it felt super fillery, and I was just like, please, can we move on past Walmart again? Yeah. Uh, well, let's ourselves move on from the because <laughs> we, we didn't like a lot of it. Um, 
And after this, you're in the sewers. Anything you want to say about the sewers? Um, I don't really remember a whole lot about the sewers, to be honest with you. I remember the boss fight, but then him like it ending prematurely. Oh, this is a good time to talk about a, a pet peeve we both had. I think it, sure. it really fucked you up in the Rufus fight. Um, I remember it really fucked me up in the... Oh, which one was it? Nope. I don't know. I can't find it. Anyways, the... the um, bosses have like enemies in general have stagger gauges and if you fill the stagger gauge your damage goes up like crazy and they're incapacitated for a bit that's when you'd want to bust out like your limit breaks because they'll do extra damage or your super you know big mp moves or something um yep. and bosses are super spongy in this game and the only way you're really going to take up big chunks of their health is if you stagger them and then do those awesome moves but Pretty much all the bosses in this game have like multiple phases or like stupid little cutscenes in the middle, and so like at, at certain HP markers, right? So if you have somebody stagger gauge at like they only have ten percent left to go and then they're going to be staggered, but you put them over that fifty percent threshold, well, guess what? There's a cutscene and your stagger gauge progress is lost, uh, and you're kind of starting from scratch there. It feels fucking terrible. Oh yeah, fuck any progress you make in battle. Uh, other than the damage you've done to the boss can just be wiped away by a fucking mid-battle cutscene. Yep. And they do it because these are often multi-phase bosses, kind of like an MMO. And um, instead of like just having the boss transition while you're playing the game, like transition between phases, uh, they have to do it with a fucking cutscene. But then they wipe your limit gauge... Or, uh, or they don't like wipe the gauge, but what happens is if you're in the middle of an attack and that attack triggers the transition, everything is paused and everybody like resets for part two. Right. And it's fucking infuriating. Yeah, it's another good example of this momentum being totally robbed from you again, right? It's like, yeah. oh, I'm finally, I'm jiving with the battle system right now. I'm doing all the things you've trained me to do. Fuck yeah. Oh, cutscene. All my hard work is not rewarded. Fuck you. Um, it's funny because even in the middle of a fucking fight, they cannot resist the urge to take control away from yeah, you. Yeah, they do take control away from you a lot. Um, um, so my favorite memory of the fucking sewer section here is just right after entering the skeleton key door, you're forced to walk again. There's another fucking walking section. And I'm walking slowly through this long-ass hallway, corridor, whatever, and building up a little speed, I'm going to get to the end of this fucking hallway, and Aerith just... Guns it past me and Tifa, bumping into me and Tifa, Cloud and Tifa, enforcing that crowd movement animation. So I'm like forced to stop and then walk uber slow. <laughs> and I wanted to throw my PS4 off my back. <laughs> the, like, it really can't be stressed enough how much the slow walking sucks. Because it's, it's, it's everywhere in the game. They are constantly taking control away from you. And slowing you down, but st- but still making you hold that input, still making you push that fucking stick forward, and it, it just feels awful, awful, yep. awful. But it's fucking constant. So, and in, in, in this version too, in remake, they they made the lack of rush to the plate even worse because they add they added some dialogue to the cutscene with Reeve where he's talking about the consequences of this plan. And in Remake, he says 50,000 people are going to die. So right after telling me this, you're saying Aerith should be like 
Let's think of something fun. <laughs> okay, how about not playing this fucking game? <laughs> yeah, your characters find out the, the plate's going to come down and kill a bunch of people. They don't know the 50,000 number, but they, they can probably do some imaginations of horrible outcomes here. And, and yeah, Aerith's first response to that is like, let's think of something fun. Yeah, they don't know if Corneo's telling the truth or if he's fucking with them. But even just the idea of that happening, you would think it would be like balls out. We're we're getting back to Sector Seven as fast as possible. Yeah. Uh, and this is dragged out further by the next section, which is the train graveyard. Oh, we also didn't talk about the fucking. Sorry, because I kind of moved us along. But the fucking the one door guard for Corneo, who gets his own. Oh, Leslie. Leslie, fuck off leslie yes i he gets, do not, he is the reason you go back to the yes i don't fucking care about you my dude <laughs> yeah he gives you uh instead of climbing the wires of the wall like in the original uh he gives you grapple guns so you can just zip up there yeah, you know what? So th- this is this is the problem right is they they're like our product is so good that everybody wants to know more about everything so we can take our time and flesh out everybody we want to flesh out because everybody's along for the ride. And I'm like, I didn't fucking ask for this. I didn't want yeah. Don Corneo's <laughs> gate guard to have a whole backstory about how he lost a girl to him, kind of, and he doesn't know where she... Like, I just... It's too much, and I don't care. I, I just care about these main characters, and if you want to do side content that's meaningful, do it as side content. To add this guy as, like, a necessary interactable npc that i have to experience his stupid inane backstory to progress it, it just really started to grade on me because it wasn't just him there's lots of little other characters in the game oh yeah it's it's a constant that that extra blown up bloated shit is a constant presence throughout the entire game yeah. uh, and again every time there is some sense of momentum or excitement like we need to get back to Sector 7. We know this horrible... We, we have an idea that maybe this horrible fucking thing will happen and we want to see if it's true. Instead, it's dragged out like crazy. Yeah. Um, so, and and for, dragged out further by the fucking train graveyard. Uh, there is a 24-second shimmy section here. Where oh, you, you going, timed it. Good, uh, man. I, yeah, I fucking timed it. And I'm going to add one to two seconds because Aerith was or Aerith was standing in my way and she forced me to go through those fucking crowd animations, oh. but I'm going to count it. Hell yeah. <laughs> so 24 seconds to get from from you know A to B in this between these fucking train cars. It, it I was going out of my fucking mind. Um other than that, there's not much memorable here. There's a boss fight that was kind of cool, but I think there's actually two boss fights, but nothing uh, actually, one thing that I thought was dumb was there's a bit of an extra focus on Aerith's abilities here that I thought were okay in that these spirits are able to talk right, to her because right. of what she can do. Yep. I thought that was fine. But as usual, this is handled clumsily. <laughs> and there's a there's a cutscene of questionable value where Aerith is, cry- is, is represented by this crying child or she's remembering herself having this crying moment. And it seems to only be there so that Cloud can have a hero moment. Where he shows up and she's like, "You came," and I'm like, "Of course I did." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that was really lame and unnecessary. Again, um, okay. At this point, we're back uh, in Sector Seven, and it's time for the plate to fall. Anything you want to talk about regarding the uh, 
plate falling or the pillar leading up to it? Uh, pillar was too long, as is everything in this game. It just it just took too long mm. to get to the top, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I found both Jesse and Biggs's quote unquote death scenes. We'll get into some spicy details about that later. Um, I found them both pretty fucking cringy. Um, I really hated when Biggs like touched Cloud's face and said, "Oh, you're so yes. you're so much like them." In reference to the leaf, the leaf house children that he like looks after sometimes. I was like, "Bitch, yes, he's comparing why are you comparing clouds. me to a fucking child right now? Like, have you seen <laughs> yeah. what I can do?" <laughs> Uh, I don't know. It, it just and it it just came out of nowhere. It's not like there was no lead up to this where Biggs kept kept saying that and you know he was making comparisons between you and the kids. It was just out of nowhere. Oh, you're so much like them. And it was supposed to be this big meaningful moment. And I was like, what the fuck? So much like them. Fuck you. I wanted to cut his head off right there. Um, <laughs> Maybe there's more development there with the Leaf House uh, side quests, but having no, not done there, them, there's not. There's not, so he never shows up during any of those. Well, he, I think he maybe does, but it's it's never he's never making comments that like, oh, Cloud, you really remind me so much. It's, of these it's kids. not okay because uh, I think what he's saying there is Cloud's he's closed off like an orphan, I guess, or someone you have to work to get to open up. But the game doesn't explain that, and it's so fucking unearned. So exactly, super like, unearned. But also, yeah. like, it could mean anything, right? Like it. Yeah, that's a very yeah. I'm inferring that because that's what it's I. It's a very charitable yeah. That's a very charitable interpretation, and your brain is doing some heavy lifting and good writing to make that that line have some some decent uh, weight weight <laughs> to it. But yeah, to me, it, right. I, I was just I, like I laughed out loud. I remember when it happened, and it totally took any of the weight of the whole scene out of it because I was like, what a fucking lame line that was. That came out of nowhere. Anyways, Biggs. Oh yeah, it was fun. It was cringe. Uh, hashtag Biggs lives. So spoilers. Uh, Biggs is alive. <laughs> Um, now, we don't need to go super granular. I know you're getting tired of this, but <laughs> John, when we started, one this, of... I was like, "Yeah, let's fucking go," and I expected you, if, if either of us, to be the one that would be like, "Okay, can we just fucking let's just wrap it up here?" But no, you're the fucking marathon man, which is great. Continue, yeah, yeah, continue. <laughs> I'm happier to shit on this than I am to play it. Um, let's see. This is this has one of the most uh, offending moments of the momentum killers to okay. me, and this is when you're climbing the pillar. The sense of danger is there. Things are still dragged out too far. Like there's an extended cutscene of Reno and Rude, like strafing Cloud in the helicopter to keep him pinned oh, down. Yeah, and yeah. as usual, they drag everything out too fucking yeah. long. Um, but right after that section, while Cloud is pinned down. We switch to Aerith's perspective. Oh, I forgot about. She's walking I through forgot. Sector Seven. Holy shit! That's that's right here. This is where she, all she can do is walk, and she has to go get to Marlene, and all the urgency dies. And there's so many fucking awkward pauses and small scenes. Yep. I know. Go ahead. Well, and the game like almost comically blocks your path like two or three times. So you're like, oh, dude, I had the same thought. You're, it's you're, like a fucking yeah. I know. You're getting close comic to your what's, goal, and they're like. Tee-hee-hee, helicopter crash. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? What is, what is, there's like a phrase for it, like a comedy of errors or something. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Every every time you want to go somewhere, some debris falls. Yeah, it, it's it, like, oops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although a comedy of errors, I think, is usually more saying that there's like a, a comedy or a hilariousness in just how much can go wrong. Um, okay. Where that, that, like it almost describes a particular, you know, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't want to... 
I don't want anybody to interpret that as like a uh, a charitable thing for this. Like it's game. a good. Yeah, thing. I, I would I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. sleep at night if somebody thought that I gave him the praise on this on this part of the game. Because yeah, like it, it's it feels very cheap and very like like yeah, tongue in cheek. Like hee hee, you were so close, but we're gonna make you keep walking as Eris for another ten minutes. Fuckers. Yeah, and there's there's two kids you have to rescue here. There's one that Aerith carries when she carries her to the landlord. Very slow. And again, when you, yeah, very slow. And when you enter this section, they're giving the landlady another cool moment where she's like evacuating people. Uh, yeah, fine. If this they're they're gonna try and make this character matter, then there you go, I guess. But you pick up this kid, super slow walking while other people are screaming and running. Get to the landlady, drop off the fucking kid, take a few steps. Another cutscene. And then, like, all, all the urgency dies while you're carrying this kid, and Aerith literally says, no need to rush. Yeah, 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 she literally says that, yeah. And, and she's trying to calm down this kid. I, I, I get it, but it sucks all of the urgency out of this scene. Yep. Um, and then uh, you go to get Marlene, and more slow walking, and there's an extended scene of Aerith trying to make Marlene comfortable enough for her to take her. And I understand that. But then there's a little bit of talk about the flower Aerith gave and shit like that. About where the flower ended up after Cloud got it and all, all that crap. And it's just, this is not the time. It's not the time. Um, yeah, the other, th- other thing I had here is it still sucks that Jessie dies. I thought her death scene was a little, I thought it was decent. Um, some of the... The line delivery was a little cringe, but and Cloud suddenly like, hey, you owe me a pizza. <laughs> I get what they were going. I get what they're yeah, going I know. for. I there. get what they were going yeah. for. They're like, you can't, you can't die on me because you stole me that pizza. Remember? Yeah. But like the way it's it's the delivery. Yeah, the way it's delivered is like, bro, what the fuck? <laughs> it's it's funny because unintentionally funny because it's like. The way it came across to me is he's like waiting for her to finish because he's like, yeah, what I really want to talk about is this pizza. <laughs> he was just waiting with bated breath to bring up the pizza that's still owed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you have, so I thought that was do you have a five a on you because you stole me that pizza, hey? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd like to get that before you die. <laughs> yeah, again, I get what they were going for. It wasn't as it wasn't as as bad as like the donkey video made it up to be. Um but yeah, it, it just for me this it was better than Biggs's scene, but yes, yeah, definitely. Anyways, one other thing I want to bring up here, uh, and I'm not, I just got to Gongaga in the original, um, and there's a, a minor scene there where you run into Reno and Rude, and there you fight them, and they say it's payback for what you did in Sector Seven. So, and this was the impression I had before I had played the original again, or, or in the process of playing it, that they didn't intend for the pillar to explode and fall. They thought they were stopping you. I thought, but that's not at all what's happening here. Oh, um, I see. When when Reno pushed the, this version of Reno and Rude are like kind of fucking ruthless, and when they push that button, the computer voice says that the plate is going to fall. Right. So there, there's no there's no way for them to deny what they did. And if they try that later, I'm going to be surprised. Maybe I'm remembering these events wrong, but from, I, I was under the impression the that the they did. From, from the original. Okay. Um, or uh, the the dialogue is not super great there, but I, I'm basically trying to remember if they intended to to uh, blow up the pillar or if they thought they were stopping you from I doing see. it. Um, and again, shitty memory. I'm already forgetting what happened in the original. 
But here, they push the button, and there's no way for them to have any kind of deniability here because the fucking computer says what's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, so if they try that later, I'm going to point and laugh. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that bugged me because I just didn't remember them being so willing to kill all these people. Right. Uh, and the fall of the plate was still pretty cool, but I thought the original had more impact. Yeah, yeah just because <laughs> it was all treated with more urgency, so it, it, it did inevitably. Even though graphically it couldn't show nearly as much it made me feel so much more yep Yep. uh okay now we're in the aftermath of it and this is your favorite scene in the whole game go off i've been i've been ready i've been saving my energy for this scene um go off (laughs) Kyle. this this was the scene that bugged me the most in the whole game and where i really was like they have no idea what they're doing um they just don't seem to understand the the implications of what their characters do and how it comes across so Bear, the, the plates come down, and Barrett thinks that his daughter, Marlene, is dead, okay? And he's having a fucking freak-out moment, and he's screaming about it, and it's like, holy shit, a lot of shit just happened. There's a lot that he's upset about, but he thinks his daughter just died. There's no fucking way that's not number one top of his mind, and he's screaming Marlene. Both Tifa and Cloud know because Aerith, sorry, Aerith, I still struggle with that. We're going to complain about that in a bit. Aerith told told Cloud that she's safe. Okay? They both yes. know she is okay. But they let him freak out for way too fucking long before finally interjecting and saying, like, listen, she's okay. And then when he's like, holy fucking shit, my daughter's okay. I was just mourning her death. That's amazing. Could you please tell me more details so that I feel better and my, like, fears are assuaged about this whole thing cloud gets all uppity and he's like fucking calm down bro and it's like what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with these people nobody would do yeah. that like like in, in in a normal situation this like with, with people who have empathy and compassion and who are kind of somewhat used to interacting with other human beings in a normal way they they would see somebody mourning the loss of somebody they knew was okay and they would quickly go reassure that person and say listen listen She's okay. And then they'd be like, what? Yes. Here are the details to to prove to you that what I'm saying isn't just bullshit. And and I know you need to hear this right now as soon as possible because nobody should have to, you know, think that someone they love dearly is lost to them forever. I'm a person who knows how other people would feel in the situation because I know how I would feel in the situation and I have empathy. Okay. And this scene really makes Cloud out to be like a proper fucking sociopath. Like genuinely doesn't understand why people have emotions how emotions work uh what speaking to other humans is meant to achieve the goal of communication i just i think he's a psychopathic <laughs> robot like it, it really fucking rubbed me the wrong way um yeah uh and then to top it all off like i'm skipping ahead a little bit but when they get to Aerith's house and barrett's like fuck yeah my daughter's alive. I'm going to go see her. He gets chastised by Aerith's mom, the worst character in the game maybe at this point, for being too loud because she's sleeping. I like wanted to just break everything in my house. I I, I want I was so angry. I was like nobody would react this way. <laughs> like her dad yeah. showed up thinking she was dead and he's going to go have a moment of like like peace with her and she's like fucking quiet down 
She's sleeping. So if you remember in the original, he does go upstairs and he does have that little moment with her. But yeah, they, they fucking rob you of that here because they're about to add more padding. It was so unforgivable for me. I was like, nobody would, nobody would fucking stop him from going to see his daughter in that moment because they would understand what he's going through. And in this game... And also, she can go back to bed after. Yeah, that's the thing. The stakes here are nothing. The, the stakes are you wake her up from her sleep, and then she'll go back. Like, you're right. Oh, God. Uh, sorry. I'm just... I'm getting incoherent here because I'm so mad all over again. It, this this it fucking, fucking fucked with me real bad. As just like, how could they possibly write and act this scene this way? Sorry, write and direct this scene this way and be happy with it. I just was fucking... Yeah. Just mind-boggled. I'm sorry. I'm gonna let you talk again for a bit. Yeah, it was it it was fucking it was bad. And you and I were talking a bit. I, I think it was. I don't have notes here for this, but I think when you and I were chatting, I was talking about how they could have done this in a way that wouldn't be so stupid. Right. Um, and I, I won't bother going over it here because I didn't organize it properly. But with the elements they had, they still could have made this work better. And it's just it's a sign that their direction here is not great. Yeah. Um, um, and if they had spaced things out a bit differently, it would have been okay. But it, so in, in the in the remake, I thought Tifa not telling Barrett was okay because from her needing to be helped by Cloud on the plate or on the pillar before they have to zip line down, the sense I got is she's kind of in shock. Um, like you know, her life in Sector Seven just came to an end, and all her friends are dead. Um, I so I. I get that she needed a bit of comforting herself there, but yeah, there's no excuse for Cloud. That he's just like a fucking unfeeling robot here. Yeah, I, I'd still argue. I think Tifa is the, I don't know, the the impression that I get from her character is first and like that would shake her out of her shock. Seeing that Barrett thinks his fucking daughter is dead, she'd be like, "Oh, holy shit! I have relevant information here that will like make this better." I think that she would just be right. able to to bring herself to tell him if need be. Um, would have said it. Yeah, anyway. she, she would have been able to get out like Barrett. Like she, she's okay, and then Cloud could have come in to give the details, right? Um, True. Yeah, you're right. The, the scene could have been handled so much better. Barrett still could have had a moment of freaking out over his daughter being dead because he thought she was dead, uh, and then the, the oh, characters yeah. could do the normal thing. But yeah, they just handled. It very they poorly. they could have made it yeah. work. I, I have to say, I, I going thinking through this again and yelling about it a second time. I think the scene with Aerith's <laughs> mom might be even worse for me. Um, the fact that really? she had the audacity to, to like chastise him for going to see his daughter because it was late and she was sleeping is like unbelievable. Who the fuck do you think you are? Like, Barrett should have blown her fucking head off right there. There should have been a, a, a stone cold murder in that house. And everybody should have been like, holy yeah. shit. Like, you probably should have. And the done whispers that. show up and they're like, <laughs> we're cool with yeah, this. Yeah, the, Don't worry. yeah, the whispers show up and they're like, this. <laughs> What's the, the scene in Indiana Jones where he's picking the, the grail and that ghost comes and he goes, you chose poorly. But this one, they, he'd come up there and he'd go. say, you chose wisely. <laughs> yeah, Eris mom should have He just makes a cameo. Yeah, she, she's the true villain of this game. But anyways, yeah, that, that all that was bad. Just terrible. Um, and there, there's some, some extra stuff here I didn't care for. Um in the original, Cloud remembers a line from Sephiroth claiming to be an ancient and the rightful heir to this planet. And I thought that was so much better than the appearance Sephiroth makes here. Because he makes another one um, well, when they're together. 
and he has some stupid line about how suffering leads to power or some shit. Okay. And it's more of that flowery garbage dialogue, which is like all he can say in this fucking yeah. game. And again, they undersell what he's supposed to be. Um, so I, I hated that a lot too. It's not nearly as bad as the fucking the moment we just talked about. But uh, and then in, there's a moment in the remake where you're walking back to Wall Market because you need to get through that to get to um, Aerith's house, I think. And Barrett says something. He, he's begging Cloud still, and he's like, uh, "You know, give me give me more information." And as you approach Wall Market, he, Cloud tells Barrett just to focus on seeing Marlene again. <laughs> and I was like, motherfucker, you could have set his mind at ease at any time if you would just say words. Yep. Yep. It's it's, it's such bad well, writing. Well, just imagine <laughs> you're, you're one of your parents. You think they're dead, okay? A terrible tragedy just happened. You think they're dead. And then somebody, a friend of yours who you know intimately comes up to you and says, listen, like, She's okay. Your mom is okay. I know she's okay. And then they're like, follow me, basically. And then on the way, as your <laughs> right. heart is still pounding, you're like, how do you know she's okay? Like, are you sure? Because, like, I'm pretty sure I just saw everybody I know die, and she was among them. Like, instead of just offering you a little bit of comfort saying, this is what we know, we're going here right now because I think she's here, they're just like, right. just focus on seeing your mom again. I'd be like, I would grab that person and I would hold them to the ground until they told me what they knew. Like, yeah. yeah, and you know they could have done that here. Cloud would just have to say, "Follow me." I think she's here, yeah. being Aerith's house. Then during the walking, he could one of the many fucking walking cutscenes. He could have explained a little bit more about why he thinks that or where they're going. Yeah. Anything. It would have been fine. Um, it would have fit within their fucking framework of shit gameplay and too long cutscenes, <laughs> and it still would it still would have worked. But they didn't do it. Their framework of <laughs> shit gameplay and too long cutscenes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th they could have made it work and it's just this is like one of the best examples of how they suck at writing yeah for sure <laughs> I, did, I love the idea that some like underling was like okay i just have a quick recommendation for a bit of a writing change for this scene and, and don't worry it doesn't interrupt with the shit gameplay or the too long walking scenes is <laughs> <laughs> that how it's like framed in the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're like okay tell us more <laughs> Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to change that. <laughs> uh, and also, one other thing that bugged me is Barrett's great speech about how hard it is to leave his daughter alone to do what he does is missing here. Uh, Almira asks, how could you leave your daughter alone like that? And he explains how fucking hard that is to do and how he thinks about it all the time. And it's not written amazingly, but Almira, and I'm, this might be me projecting on it a bit, but she seems to understand... Um, that what he's doing is very important to him, but he still loves his daughter. Great. So he goes upstairs and they have their moment and it's fine. I would have taken that over the shit they delivered here. Um, after this clusterfuck is back to Sector 7. This is a filler section. We go back? Oh, yeah, because now there's side quests to do. Yep. Yeah, a bunch of new side quests open up here. You can help people who are hanging out in the rubble. And yeah, kills the momentum. Because now you kind of want to be like, let's go fucking fuck Shinra up. Yeah, it, it, this is, it's one of the fucking worst moments for me. Because, and I've probably said that many times, <laughs> yeah. but they're all bad. <laughs> it's one of the worst ones because the party 
knows Aerith is in danger. She has been captured. She's going to be experimented on. Uh, we don't even know that, but we know like, Shinra has her, and after Shinra, after what they just did, how could you yeah, not want yeah, to Yeah, nothing could be. Yeah, nothing is friend. beyond them, so you should probably get her out of their clutches. But what they say is maybe they'll just give her back. They say those words? And I'll... Yes, and I'll, because she hasn't been harmed before, so they're not sure what they want with her. Oh. And they're like, maybe when they're done, they'll give her back. And Almira's fucking upset because she doesn't want you guys to make things worse. But everyone just everyone is aware of what just happened. The fucking plate came down. This is what Shinra is. So, like, be, delivering that now after all of this is fucking amateur hour to me. It's ridiculous. For sure, yeah. I, again, I, I, I've said this before to you off pod, but it just also felt weird to me that the gang would be swayed by Aerith's mother in this decision to like go after her too does does she say anything in the original game about leaving her be no not at yeah, all yeah i didn't think um, so because of course like yeah just the whole the whole implication that, there's weird like oh well, why have that scene yeah. what does it serve what the hell is the purpose of they've always given her back before so just don't go save her please especially like you said after they've just killed tens of thousands of people um, they they needed and it's not like they never I don't think they had her before um, or like they had her before she came to Elmira but they never had her before uh, or what am I trying to say between that time and when she went missing this time yeah so the, there's no like thing for them to be like they've given her back before I'm sure it's fine the the sentiment is more like they seem to want her and they need her alive oh, so they're not going I to see, harm her so so we we have time now to go do fucking X Y and Z right. but. It's so stupid. Um, and again, it undercuts any sense of urgency. This is the moment where you're going to storm fucking Shinra building and get your fucking friend back, and then it's bust out of Midgar time. Yeah. And it's just shit on by this filler crap where you go do something with Wedge. <laughs> and you find out Wedge survived, because why not save the worst character? <laughs> <laughs> and it undercut even the fact that you're going back to Sector 7, it undercuts... All the sacrifice that was just made to drive up the, the stakes, yep. I, and yeah, I could I could bitch about this forever, but that that's one of the worst things for me. I thought it was fucking terrible. Um, and then we have the the filler section with the underground lab, the underground test site. Fuck that dungeon! I hated that. Um, I hated that. Yeah, it, it was. Those good. enemies also. Um, I just I don't know. I just got I got no joy from that section of the game at all. No. Uh, well, one thing I, that made me laugh that I didn't mind is that this version of Barrett has zero subtlety, and I like how he just shoots his way through any <laughs> That's all. He, there's a lock on a door, shoot it. You know what I hated? This computerized safe won't open, shoot it. <laughs> you know what I hated more than anything, though? That, I don't know if you, you probably didn't even try for them, but there's a bunch of those breakable Shinra boxes along the wall. Oh and yes, can, I did try and controlling them with him is or getting them with him is yes, it, it like because it kind of auto targets them, but it, it misses a bunch of but, them. But uh, badly, yeah. So so like <laughs> to actually hit every box and get every Moogle medal or whatever. Oh god, yeah, that was just just so poorly designed. Anyways, it would have been so easy for them to add an over the shoulder aiming. Yeah, yes, yes, that would, would have been would it. have been a joke. Yeah. They're using Unreal Engine, and I've been learning, and I know that tool, and I know they could have done that without a great deal of effort, <laughs> and they didn't do it, so fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so this was crap. After that, we go back to Aerith's house again, um, and in the original, this is where uh, Barrett gives the 
well, there's no going back in the original, but at Aerith's house, Barrett would have given that great speech I was talking about. Cloud tries to take off here to find Eris and Storm Shinra, and then Barrett and Tifa are like, I, you know, Barrett owes Eris for saving Marlene, so he's like, fuck, I, I'm, I'm with you. We're going to go get her yep. back. And the stakes are up, and the excitement is there, and you're off. off Bro, I literally want to play here. Final Fantasy VII right now. Anyways. Dude, I'm having so much fun with Good. it. Um, the original, not this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, just I, like you, I have a note here about how fucking insufferable Elmira is here. Good. I'm, I'm glad that she really uh, rubbed you the wrong way, too. She, she drove me insane. It's And they use... I, I didn't write down the dialogue. I wish I did. But if I remember correctly, they use the existence of this underground lab to convince her. Because Cloud talks about what they're... Oh, yes, dude. So it's all just the service of the padding. The the whole point of that scene is to give you a reason for having this other stupid dungeon to go save Wedge so you can convince Aerith's mom, who... All fucking Also, who gives a shit if she wants you to go? Just go! Why would you let her stop you? (laughs) But it's more egregious to me. She would never try to stop you. Knowing what she knows about what Shinra has done, she just... she would never try to stop. And also, like, what would you um, trying to save her do to put her in more danger? Like, if if they it, want her, it, the whole thing's yeah, ridiculous. They're not going to kill her because you're there. We've already established that they need exactly, her. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so Barrett's parenting speech was moved here and directed at Marlene instead. It wasn't bad. I think the original version was better. Okay. And in this version, if they wanted to have this change. Um, directing those words at Elmira was just better to me to to kind of I don't know make her understand I guess um, that to convince her that that Cloud and everyone they can do what they're about to do they can go get her back and she'll be fine mm-hmm. um, and doing it uh, talking to Marlene here and I don't know it was unnecessary um, I like the original one better this is also where that missable scene we were talking about is where there's um, or missable scenes, I guess. There are different people that you can talk to when you wake up at Aerith's house. And for me, I got Barrett, and you got a scene with Aerith. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't realize those were changeable. So what I my notes here are about Barrett. Barrett has a great moment here where he's talking to Cloud because he can't sleep, and he's talking about a bunch of Avalanche members you don't even know about, just people he's close to and... Uh, what they do for Avalanche, and there's a, it just comes across really well. Like he really cares about the people under him in this organization. Right. Um, and Cloud and him have this little bonding moment. I thought it was great. I thought that was a fine addition. Nice. But it turns out it's not canon because you could have gotten something else. <laughs> yeah, I got a scene with uh, so. with Aerith, and and she basically she like she appears there kind of as a as like a a shade or like a a force ghost to borrow some Star Wars terminology because I'm losing. The ability to form words and she uh she just comes across as like this very prescient like kind of seer type character who knows exactly what's going to happen and i just never got that impression from her in the original game i, I felt like she was really more barely awakened to her powers like her ability she had, she clearly knew elmira's husband was going to die before he did because there's a scene with her as a child telling her that um Right. But to me, it always seemed to kind of come, not when she wanted it to, but just randomly. And, and I don't know, it would never occur to me that Aerith knew from the beginning of the game that she was going to die. Um, but there's a moment where she tells Cloud that he can't fall in love with her, which was also just super forward. And I was like, 
the writing is bad. Um, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's hinting at the fact that she, she knows, you know, she's probably going to die. But then it also doesn't really make sense because if she's planning on defying fate, she doesn't know her future because they're planning on breaking the bonds of destiny. Like it, it just, anyways, it just doesn't doesn't work for me. It comes off super lame, and I was like, "This scene sucks." And then I told you about it, and you're like, "What are you talking about?" He talks to Barrett there, and then we find out that there are multiple scenes. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no idea yeah. about that. It, like, it was uh, at least I got a good one. Yeah, I, again, maybe I'm being hypercritical there. It just again didn't work for me. I, I it's not my impression of Barrett's character from from the original game and, and not even my impression of the character from the rest of Final Fantasy 7 remake leading up to this point so yeah it also we won't we won't harp on this too long I watched the scene on YouTube I didn't think it was I didn't hate it as much as you did um, but I, I do agree the fall in love with me line was way too forward and also if she's trying to hint that these events will play out the way they're supposed to why would she say something that might affect that great which would be to tell Cloud not to care about her so much. Yeah. Or if she says that knowing that he will anyway, then it's just, it, it's weird. And when you introduce this timeline shit, a bunch of crap just stops making sense or comes off as really shitty. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I, I had a note here. I had a note here that said, Alternate Dimensions, colon, this game wishes it was Chrono Cross so bad. <laughs> yeah, anyways. Oh, I have to play that again because that game's great. <laughs> so at this point, we are heading back to uh, fucking Don Corneo to Walmart. Oh, right, right. Is this in the original? Because uh, no, no, no. And uh, well, actually, no. You do go back there to learn how to climb the wall, but here, there's the extra fillers going back to the sewer. Um, so after you leave Aerith's house uh, in original we have to figure out how to climb the wall to get to the plate to get to shinra tower mm -hmm. whereas in and you know that could have been handled better for example without checking a guide i had no idea i was supposed to go buy batteries from that oh guy. yeah 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 um they might have assumed that you would run into that little scene with the kids who talk about the wall and then you'd climb up and you'd learn that you'd need okay. them but uh it, it could have been handled better anyway um in the remake uh, again, I have a note here, but I just don't like how Barrett and Cloud are, for some reason, willing to do death threats to Leslie here. Like, they're just... I don't know, these aren't the characters I remember. Yeah. They're kind of assholes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, this is where... This is your favorite part with Leslie's backstory. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, all you do in the sewer is... Leslie says, if we go back down there... Oh, um, the whole scene? I, yeah. I, okay, sorry. Yep. Yes, yeah, can can get what you need to get out there, and what he wants to do is confront Don Corneo, who was hiding down here. Um, and there's a what happens is Leslie's key, quote unquote key, the party thinks it's a key, is stolen by this little baby Abzu thing, and you have to chase that thing around the sewer for far Which too is long. Very fun, ending in a lame little fight. And the way I wrote it here is. All to give Leslie a chance to puke up some expository dialogue, further robbing the game of any tension about saving her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what you get here are grapple guns. And the grapple guns are used right. to get over the wall. Um, I thought the wall was fine. I actually thought it was a pretty good set piece. Yeah, I actually remember, um, like, like, even the climbing of the wall, you mean? 
Yeah, I thought that was fine. And the grapple gun and the prompts to use it, I thought that was Yeah, nice. no, I agree. I, I thought the set piece with the wall was, was quite good, actually. I remember I remember thinking, oh, this is one of those moments where this is actually really served by the high-fidelity graphics. This looks good. But I hated the boss fight at the top of the wall. Mm-hmm. Same. And the, the scale of the wall is, is really cool. Like, they're really showing how big this, these things yeah. are. And in a way that they really couldn't in the original. And I thought that was that was yeah. nice. But yeah, the boss fight, not a super huge fan. Um, after that, it's Shinra building time. My only note in the original here is that it's brief, and I thought it was still very fun. Yeah. Uh, and my notes for the remake are much longer because I hated it so much. But <laughs> 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 well, before, <laughs> is there anything you want to say about Shinra building? Um, well, I know you're going to touch on this, so I hate to, to rob you of this moment, but Tifa climbing on the lights. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, it yes. Oh, I, I can't, like, it, it, to me, is yet another example of this kind of slow-walking, slow-moving moment, right? Uh, it oh, also, yeah. She just controls really clumsily, and I found it awkward to get her to go where I wanted her to go. And She takes so long to turn. So, yeah. The oh. jumps themselves are really slow. Yeah. Um, God, it was fucking it's brutal. brutal. Like, it's, it's, you can't really call it gameplay. You know what I mean? Like, just, just, I don't know. You might as well give me a, an X prompt and have her climb herself over somewhere. Don't make me do it. Um, what made me laugh here was that in the wall section, when you beat the boss and you start to, the platform starts to collapse and everybody falls, um, Barrett, with one arm, fucking launches Tifa midair back up to cloud. So this guy has, this guy has the strength to hoist her over the little barrier and you could have avoided the whole jumping thing. <laughs> <laughs> also there's two guys there cloud and barrett together could have like i don't know tossed her up into that little hole so she could get yep. the thing and it would have been For fine sure. and you could have avoided the whole fucking oh, nonsense yeah. um I, I agree that slow turning bullshit that's that's not gameplay and it's not silly or endearing enough that you can forgive it it's just egregiously yeah, slow it just feels it feels like padding. It feels like anime filler yet again. Yep. Um, let's see. I could not fucking believe how long it took the doors to open in the President's Museum. Yep. I, I, I kept walking around thinking I was missing something. And you have to wait for that little guided tour voice to finish. And then, fuck, it takes forever. Right. It must be a loading masking thing or something. But it's it's ridiculous. Oh, sorry. I, I'm going to back us up really quick here to, to right before they get to the tower. This is one of the other moments sure. I had written down in, in quite a bit of detail here. So before climbing the wall, Barrett and Tifa both explicitly riff on the fact that Cloud is actually really nice and not as hard on the inside as he pretends he is on the outside. Like they say these things out loud. And I was like, I, and I was like, God, they just, they're so worried you're not going to have caught the super obvious hints they've dropped for the last 30 hours that Cloud is actually nice and does the right thing in the end. And I just couldn't believe that they had to have these characters say these things. I don't know. It just felt very out of character. Um, uh, it, it felt a bit like they're aware you probably think he's a dick after all this. And it's like, Nope, he's actually pretty cool. The party likes him. <laughs> yeah, maybe they were worried. They're like, oh shit, I think Cloud might be too much of a sociopathic asshole. So make sure the characters say he's nice. So, anyways, but make sure you do it in a way where you don't interrupt the slow walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if if you make if you make a segment faster than it was supposed to be when you do this, you're fired. Um, you're fucking fired. Yeah. So sorry, I'll take it. So back back to Shinra Tower, anyways. 
Did you choose to do the stairs or did you do the, the bust down the, the door? Uh, I wanted to get this shit over with, so I busted nice. it. I did the stairs. Uh, it was it was way worse than the original because they have you start going a lot slower by the top of the stairs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, in the original, it's kind of funny because you're like, surely they're not going to make me walk up that many flights. But then they do. But you also get to run at lightning fast cloud speed the whole time. Um, so like if you watch a speedrunner do it, it's, it's very quick. Um, yeah, in this game it was it was laborious. It's boring as hell. Yeah. Now I did, when I got up to the floor where you can go back, I, I did go down to get an elixir there. And I still felt that that took too fucking long. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm more willing to forgive it there because you're moving at full speed and... At the time, it was. I hate to say that. It sounds like a cop out. But at the time, they again, we, no one ever thought you, they were going to do it, and it was kind of hilarious that yeah. they did. Um, I didn't. I didn't do the stairs here because again, I, I just wanted this fucking game to end. I don't know if it would, if I could look at that fondly had I played it. I'm not yeah. sure, but I'll take your word for it that it's too fucking slow, like everything else. <laughs> um, let's see. Anything else we should get into here? Anything, anything before the uh, president meeting you want to bring up? Uh, let's see. Um, a lot. I, some of my notes are literally just me bitching about having control taken away so much. Um, the president's doors. The I thought the Midgar model here looked great. I thought that was yeah. cool. Um, the VR commercial was great, uh, followed by that cool like meteor destruction scene yeah. like a, a memory so I thought that, that was, cool. was really cool that, that, where you go into that room and it shows you like the it's a little bit of expository stuff about the ancients right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah that was actually that was actually a welcome change I thought that was really nice and it felt like Shinra propaganda yes. with that like happy marketing yeah, uh, voice yeah, so it was a, I, I liked yeah, that it fit in world really well and it was actually informative um, yeah yeah for the players Whoever did that part. <laughs> Whoever did that part, <laughs> let them make the next game. <laughs> Just maybe let them do more. And I'm going to eat those words, and it's going to be like the, the worst guy who did everything. But I don't know. <laughs> um, Sephiroth showing up here wasn't bad. Uh, and this, if this was his first appearance, it would have been okay. But they wasted that, so too late for that. Um, but as usual... When things feel like they're starting to heat up, you're forced to plod through padding. And now it's time to meet the fucking mayor, who is apparently an Avalanche member. Uh, and that's that's new to remake, yeah. as far as I know. I don't. He's definitely not in the Midgar section in the original, and I don't think they ever talk about him later. So, he's an Avalanche member here. Um, and it's, it's not a horrible idea, but why do they have to introduce it now to slow shit down right, again? right. Because he, he requests, um, like, you go on a little quest for him and get something for him, doesn't he? Yes. And then my next note is we walk to an escalator and there's another fucking cutscene. Yeah. <laughs> and it's about Hojo this time. And then you walk through a door and there's another cutscene. You walk too close to a TV and you're forced to watch it in another weird walking cutscene. <laughs> so you lose control all the time. Um, Hojo, you know, he's pretty suitably detestable here. Um, I felt like in the original, he's less cruel. He looks at you guys like your data, and he doesn't even really... It, it feels to me, and I, this is me making shit up, I guess, but it feels to me like 
he's almost not aware of what he's doing to you because you're just material for him. He does kind of play with Cloud's mind a bit, I guess, by he's kind of excited to see what you do because he knows you're like the failed soldier or whatever, failed experiment. Um, but here with the extra content they add with like the, uh, I don't know what the dungeon's called, but you do like a little Hojo dungeon where he's testing you or something. He's just more of a cruel dick um, for some reason, I guess. Uh, um, yeah, you're. Uh, it, it pissed me off because, they're, again, they're bogging down the tension. And it's even worse when you get to the option to do the Shinra combat sim. Right. Uh, and the first part is not optional. You're in a time-sensitive mission. Emotions are running high. So the, no, one, no, the guy decides, sorry. go ahead and do this fucking sim for me before I trust Emotions you. Emotions <laughs> should be running high. <laughs> should There you go. Should be. I'm going to change my notes. <laughs> should be running high. There we go. Um, also, he's talking to probably the most famous people in Avalanche right now. And there's no way their pictures are not plastered everywhere after the, the shit they've done to, like, stop Avalanche. Or what Aval or Shinro will blame on them for collapsing the pillar. There's no way they aren't, like, suspects number yep, one, yep. right? But he's like, prove to me what you can do. And you fight two grunt robots for some reason, and that's I enough. Know. It's, it's, it's dumb. Yep. Super, super clumsy. Like, uh, they pad it in so many ways in this game. And, and some, yeah, they... But fail every time. Then there's a brief, uh, yeah, and then there's a brief little glimmer of something cool where Cloud runs into uh, Shinra Grunt, who knows him, right? Which makes a lot of sense because Cloud was never soldier; he was a, a regular um, Grunt. That, that was a great touch. And then Cloud has a little mental moment there, and he sees like he's getting a little panicked. Right. But I thought that was great. That was a great addition. Yeah. yeah Cause it gets um, at his story falling apart, right? The story he's kind of told himself and the memories that have been, he's grafted onto himself falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But that was, that was, that was nice. Um, and then, yeah, then you're, this is where we enter into Hojo's bullshit and, um, you learn about the whispers and what they are and it's still, still stupid. Oh, wait, who tells you about the whispers here? Is it Aerith? Ah, fuck. How does that come back together again? I, I think she, after you rescue her and get Red, then she starts Yeah, I think, because I have a note here saying Aerith knows too much, as does Red, after he, she touches him. Oh, okay. And it says... Yes, this is where she touched Red's uh, head and gives him all that information. Yeah, now Red 13 knows everything about the future. Maybe? We don't know, but that's what it seems the like. future. And then in all caps, I have a note here, once again, that says, all you can do is walk. <laughs> and it's because Cloud has that freak out moment where you have to control him while he can barely move. Right, 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 right. This is what prompted what I said earlier, I remember now, where I was talking about how this this controlling this segment adds nothing. Yep. There's nothing I can do that changes the outcome. I can't, if I remember correctly, I can't even rotate the camera to look around. I can just move forward. Yep. You, you, you could have made this a cutscene and saved me 30 seconds of my fucking life. Um, okay, I have a little midpoint here, or like separate section, just what I was thinking coming into the end, and then we can wrap sure, this yeah, up. Yeah. What do you think about it, that? Um, and after that is the drum. That's Hojo's dungeon. It's it's shit and it's padding and it's too slow. We don't have to get it's, into it's that one too much. It's, unless no, you, no, unless you want to talk about Genova. I just remember 
thinking, oh my god, another fucking dungeon? Like, this place has gone on way too long already, and we have to do another pointless dungeon. And the group, the group is split up, so I have to... Yeah, it was too much. I wasn't... I wasn't ready for it. Uh, the Genova fight is fine. I, I just... I, that's my favorite song on the soundtrack. I, I love the the version of this they they did. We talked about it. I highlighted it last week as one of my favorite battle songs. Um, I didn't right. mention it last week, and I'll mention it now. Uh, the the best part of that song to me is, is right before it switches back to the start of the loop, and it has kind of this upbeat, hopeful sound to it. It goes like... Ba, 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 ba. Ba, 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 ba. In the in the remastered version for remake, they they play that part again. They play it two times back to back, and I think that's perfect because it's it's almost too brief in the original song, and I want to hear that hopeful note hmm. again. And they they double it up in the in the okay. reorchestration, and it it fucking it's perfect. Yeah, I, I love that version of that song. So when that music kicked in Sweet. for part three of Genova, I really did get like goosebumps, and and I loved it. But it wasn't because of Genova, it was really just because I was finally hearing some recognizable Final Fantasy VII music that wasn't so altered that it was kind of unrecognizable. So, sure. Anyways, um, so uh, I didn't, I don't remember that song too much at this point. I was just ready to end it, and I don't even know if I was listening anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So, but the little section I have here is just about the the momentum killing and and the way they've like fucked everything up with excessive waiting and all these minor cutscenes and just shitty attempts to inject more drama and all they do is lead to more atmosphere killing dialogue like when Sephiroth literally says embrace me I'm like fuck off <laughs> <laughs> um, and then gameplay padding that incorporates all of the above all, all that fucking shit like the walking cutscenes um, but yeah they killed some of the most exciting plot moments this way Sephiroth made too many appearances, often with obtuse, flowery dialogue, so he feels like less of a threat. The party is in no rush to return to Sector 7 when they learn about the plate. Any sense of tension while climbing the plate pillar is ruined because we switch to Aerith's point of view, and all she can do is fucking walk. The plate itself falling is less grim because we get an extended look at people evacuating, so the consequences and the stakes are driven down. Um... No blood tail, uh, blood tails, blood trails in the Shinra building. Instead, we get Genova jizz, um, and then fake out character deaths that we know are never going to stick because of the fucking whispers, like Barrett. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, just super lame attempt to add drama, and you see it coming a mile away. Um, yeah, and never. Yeah, so I, at this point, I just I found it impossible to be invested in what happens to these these people, and I just didn't care yeah. anymore. <laughs> Yo, I mean, we'll get there in two seconds, but the fact that you also fight Sephiroth in this game, I know it's not technically like it's, I don't know, it's some version of him and whatever. The fact that your characters are fighting him at the end of part one, yes. How are like it's too early? It was it wasn't deserved. The payoff feels terrible. I mean, who knows what they're cooking up for a new ending, if it'll even involve Sephiroth. Who, who knows? Yeah, and I know he has, like, other forms, of course, with with his one-winged angel form and stuff. But I don't know. It just it just felt like, guys, it's yeah. too early to be engaging with this guy in this way. <laughs> I, I agreed. And I, they're not they're not making Final Fantasy VII anymore. It's something else. Um, yeah, and by this point, and by the end, you here, can really tell. Yes. Because it all starts to go a little yeah, off. Yeah, it really starts to fall <laughs> apart after after you finish escaping the building. But. Uh, so we, we'll skip the drum 
Uh, the only thing I'm going to bring up there is I thought the new look for Genova's chamber was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, like the scale and whatnot was pretty impressive. I, I love that mix of like fantasy and industrial and a little bit of creepy horrorness to it. I thought that yeah. was fine. Um, would love to see more of that. I'm excited to see, and I'll never play it, but I'll watch it on YouTube. But I'd like to see what they do with the the if they even do the scene where Sephiroth freaks out about. Uh, the right. monsters in the right, right. No, I, that's. I'll mention that now before I forget to mention it. That's one thing I appreciated sure. with remake. It was it was really cool to see some of these set pieces from my childhood recreated in this insane mm-hmm. high def setting. And like like you said, the climbing the wall was really cool. Seeing Shinra Tower like that with Cloud with the sword on his back. Like it, there's a lot of really cool set piece moments, and it was pretty neat to see a lot of it realized with modern technology and looking so fucking good. Um, so I agree. There, there's tons of stuff from the, the original game that I'm like, oh, I actually would love to see what Cosmo Canyon looks like in the remake. I'd, you know, anyways, hmm, yeah, I'd love sure. to see what the, you know, um, the High Wind looks like, and I, I just have scenes in mind like like that one with Sephiroth, you know, going to the the Mako infused soldier area and, and having his freak out. I'll be excited to see that stuff, um, but the, the the short moments of oh, that's cool never come even close to making up for all the other shortcomings but it is it is a positive in my book yeah definitely and you know the the talent of people at square can't be like overstated they're um they're so good at like crafting those worlds like they were back then they are now when they when they do get into their flow and they're showing you these cool set pieces it fucking it does come together really well it's just the writing and the direction needs help. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, all right, Kyle, why don't you close it out and talk about Rufus and then wrap this shit up. Okay. Uh, Rufus was, was definitely over-designed. His original design is so much simpler. He just has kind of a cool white suit with a white jacket. You can see this in the old artwork for him. Now he's got like a, a coat that's been cut up a bunch and has these flared tassel type things with <laughs> buckles galore. I mean, listen, it's it's very 2020 Tetsuya Nomura. There's no doubt about that. Um, I also found his fight kind of hilarious because it was so over the top anime. I'm, I'm the coin flinging thing. Yeah, yes. I'm sympathetic. Well, and him shooting the ground behind him to skate across like the rooftop right oh, like yes, it, it's yes. just so it's very like over the top anime and, and i'm sympathetic to like oh how do we make this fight with just this humanoid enemy with a gun interesting right because in the old game it was just a turn-based battle so all he had to do was kind of look cool and and have a couple different animations for like shooting a gun and maybe a spell or something um anyway i i just don't this doesn't this doesn't do it for me at all like i i found the whole fight super cringy because i was like He's like flipping coins and shooting through them to shoot these like beams at me, and he's skating across uh, yeah. the ground by shooting the ground. I, I just I don't know. I, I wasn't sold on it. it. It didn't. It took me out of the game. So for, for what that's worth, I just one didn't like his redesign, and two thought the fight was kind of cringy and, and whatever. Uh, yeah, I couldn't get over his costume. I thought it was fucking. It's the it's Kingdom Hearts cloud. Where he's just over-designed. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exact same instincts. Tetsuya Nomura cannot help but but add more buckles to people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What was I going to say? Oh, I I just made a note here that in general I found this game, the bosses all worked better when they weren't human. 
So like a non-human boss works way better in remake than a, a humanoid enemy. Um, hmm. Although, actually, you know what? That's not even the case necessarily because I found that Reno and Rude were fine. Yeah, I thought they were okay. And when you get a nice um, parry on them, it was very satisfying. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe it was just Rufus that didn't work. I thought he was cringy and kind of hilarious. And yeah, I, I was also. I want to make one yeah. note. I'm sorry. I want to make one note about combat before we continue and I forget. I do think combat improves drastically when Cloud learns the disruptability that lets you chain stance changing. Oh, yes. So you can, in mid-attack, mid you can change stances and continue. And if you can take advantage of that during a window to build up yeah. stagger, I found combat was way more fun after I got that. They, combat has... That's all I Yeah, combat about. has like a flow state that actually feels pretty good. I actually think Tifa is my favorite character to play. Um, I liked her like... Uh, like chakra levels and having the different triangle move tied to that on top of all her other moves um, and, and just the fact that if somebody staggered she has the ability to increase the amount of damage you can do to them um, by, by busting out those right. I, I just found her very fun to play and she's super quick and dynamic so yeah when, when the combat flows it, it feels quite good I thought um, I, I was definitely I came around to the combat a bit more uh, this time around than the first time it, it, I have to say, I still, frankly, personally, would have enjoyed them sticking to the, their guns and going with like some turn-based combat. Um, Same, but, definitely. I would vastly prefer yeah, that. Because <laughs> like, like, I can go back to FF7 and I can still get joy out of the turn-based combat there. I mean, maybe they should, they would have had, I don't know. I don't know, I just think seeing that turn-based combat with the super high-fidelity stuff would have looked really cool. I would... I'm dying for some studio to take a chance and be like, we're going to make a super traditional RPG, um, keep it turn-based, and it's going to look fucking amazing. I guess Dragon Quest XI would be the closest thing to that, and I do quite like that game. But I'd love Story. Was that? Was a really good game? When I yeah. say I'd like to see a studio, I guess what I'm really saying is, please bring back my Final Fantasy. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, what is, anything else to say about Rufus, John, before we get to the... the the bike boss battle and the ending? Um, no, I, I think he's just a bunch of cringe and the coin thing is yeah. weird. <laughs> I, I, this is the point of the game, too, where I was really starting to feel it wear on me. Um, I, right. I had had... So I did a lot of the side quests, and I think one of the reasons I, I, I liked it, this was kind of a theory we developed together when we were talking about this, is that when, when those side quest periods come up and you unlock a bunch of new ones... You kind of get to play the game uninterrupted for a while because they're not going to constantly be stopping you with cutscenes and the walking slow moments are, are going to be rare because you're just revisiting places you've already been and, and taking out monsters and stuff. So um, the cuts or the, the side quests are all super paper thin and, and not particularly rewarding or anything. They don't really build up the world all that much better. Um, but yeah, but so I, I'd had some fun in chunks throughout the game, but by this point. I really didn't want to play it that much more. And the thing that almost broke me was the boss battle on the highway on the bike. Because oh, yeah. they take away all of your <laughs> options, right? Like, you're just doing those two attacks on the bike or whatever. And I was like, just fucking kill me now. It took too long. I just wasn't in the mood. Um, kind of a neat set piece, I guess. Uh, yeah. I don't know. How, did you finish that I thought, fight? Yeah, I thought... Yeah, that, that's where I stopped. Right after you beat that boss, I was done. But uh, it, it went on too long, but as a set-piece battle, I didn't hate it. And, you know, I thought the bike section and just the... You know, the, the original cutscene today holds up so well. 
like the the fucking music and the attitude. You know, we're gonna bust out of Shinra. It's fucking yep. beautiful. To, and seeing that in, in high def, that was actually sure. really nice. I love seeing Cloud on that fucking bike. Um, but yeah, it, it just it goes on too damn long. Yeah. I uh, I'll, I'll read you my okay. So so this is where you get to. The, this is now the penultimate encounter because you're gonna fight some Whisper Guardian things that turn into Bahamut at one point, and then you're gonna fight Sephiroth. Um, and I, I wrote. Uh, I'm just gonna read you my note verbatim here. Um, I didn't even want to fight the three whispers in the final chapter. Like, fuck, I don't care. And you fight them over and over and over. Whisper, Bahamut, lol, had to show as much as they possibly could of Final Fantasy. Then back to whispers. Then, did we beat them? I think so. And then they literally form in front of you again. Oh my fucking god. So that's how I felt about everything <laughs> leading up to Sephiroth. It, it was... That it's a super cool set piece area um, and you keep getting these flashbacks of like the ending of the original game um, but they are done in like high def they're, they're not the original polygons I thought it would have been really funny and meta if you were seeing flashbacks of the PS1 version of Final Fantasy 7 uh, yeah that, <laughs> that would have been really great but anyways so it, it's an interesting kind of set piece and setup but it's it's all leading to this confrontation with Sephiroth and then you destroying fate itself. And at that point, I'm just like, this, this story's ridiculous. Like I, I can't be made to believe they have an elegant conclusion waiting in the wings to, to have this all pay off in the end. I just, I don't see it happening. I, I'm not, if they did, I'm not sure I'd care because th- this is the base they're building it on, and I thought your base sure. sucked. So this, just to get at one other point we kind of mentioned earlier, is that some people have said, like, okay, you don't like the changes, but this was their original vision for the game the whole time. John's obviously a bit skeptical of that. I am too. Uh, but even if that's the case, their their original version vision for the game rather fucking sucks. It doesn't matter if this was their original <laughs> yeah, exactly. vision. It's bad. So, so the limitations of the time resulted in a much better final product. Or maybe it was the team at the time. You know, you had a couple people who were willing to say no, and they had a better product. This original vision bullshit, it doesn't really matter because I think their original vision sucked, if this is what that was. Um, that argument comes up because people want you to feel bad for not liking the new, the new shit or... Yeah, it's it's a dumb argument because I I'm nowhere have I said and nowhere do I feel that I wouldn't enjoy a reimagining if that was still a good game. But I didn't get a good game, and your reimagining is very low quality. Yes. Yeah, uh, and you can disagree with me, and you can love this game, and that's completely fine. But I mean, my I, my thoughts on it still stand. I think this is pretty shitty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and, and I think that there's a number of people who feel the same way. When this game came out, I felt kind of like, you know, a single voice in an ocean. And I was, like, trying to tell people, guys, it's actually not good. But it seemed like everybody was really positive on it. I, I've done some internet scouring and, and listened to a couple podcasts on it now. And actually, there's a, a bit more negativity around this game than I thought there was initially. Um, so hmm. I don't know if people are coming around or, or maybe just it took people a while to kind of get their thoughts out. I mean, it's a year old, more than that, and we're just talking about it now. So anyways, um, so this uh, the, also the last thing that I just found super weird, I guess let's talk about the ending. Um, Cloud and Sephiroth have a talk at the edge of the universe looking down on the world. And Sephiroth is like, <laughs> join me, my son. 
come to the dark side. <laughs> and then Luke says, right. I'll never. Uh, no, but it's just weird. Like, what does Sephiroth want you to join him in exactly? Why is Cloud a part of his plan? Uh, I don't know. Again, I just I just don't see them writing this in such a way that I'm going to find it compelling ever. Um, and then you find out that Zack is actually alive, but but here, here's where I, see, here's where I just totally totally lose faith in them. Okay, Zack is alive. He's rescued Cloud, but. They show a picture of that dog, Stamp, who is like a propaganda thing Shinra uses, but he's designed slightly differently so that you realize, oh, Zack is alive in a different dimension because the dog looks different. And I'm like, guys, no. Nope. You are not going to pull this off. I don't know what you think you have here, but you already <laughs> failed, okay? Just give up while you're ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I... I, I I'm morbidly curious about Zach being alive. I can't deny that. Again, I just right. don't trust this team to pull it off in a satisfying way. Yeah, I, I, I'm again. I'm not going to care. I'm going to choose to remember the original as canon and nothing else exists. Yeah. <laughs> and, and frankly, like this game doesn't ruin FF7 for me. Like the original game still no. is there for me to go back to any time. Right? I, I'm not like I'm having a fucking yeah, blast. I'm with not it, like. So. I don't know. I obviously sound super butthurt about this. My life isn't ruined because Final Fantasy VII Remake was bad. Um, yeah, we just kind of felt like there's so much to say about this game that doesn't get mentioned a lot when we see conversations about it. And and I think that they could have delivered an awesome version of this uh, that that satisfied a lot of people still without making these these crazy changes and, and just delivering a game that does not particularly fun to play. Um, here's where our conspiracy yeah, theory comes um, in. John kind of pulled this out of me in our pre-podcast discussion, um, and I just kind of said it out loud, and I was like, yeah, I think I, I could see that happening. The conspiracy, I, I just, I could see it. I could see that when this game was, was first in development, maybe they started out, Okay, we're going to make a faithful remake of Final Fantasy VII. We're going to change things here and there. That's kind of inevitable. You know, some things we want to do better. Some things we just want to change. But it's going to be more or less a remake of Final Fantasy VII. They got far enough along in the project. They had a lot of the early game Midgar work done. And they realized that it just wasn't working. That with this super high fidelity style... And this, you know, full 3D camera, just this huge change into the modern day. Final Fantasy VII, as it was, doesn't work in this new style. So they decided that they were going to... <laughs> Actually, let me read the note that I wrote here. Um, they decided they got far enough that it couldn't work and big changes had to be made. Nomura stood up and cast Rewrite 3, and they decided to finish out Midgar and make that part 1 and then set up a twist that frees them from the shackles of the original for part two and onwards. I, I kind of have a feeling a boardroom meeting is kind of where this whispers idea was, was thrown out there so that they'd have an out and they could take the hard work they'd done, turn it into Midgar as its own game, we'll pad it with a bunch of bullshit, and then we can make whatever the fuck we're going to make after part one, which I'll tell you right now is not going to be the rest of Final Fantasy VII. There's not a chance in hell they ever get anywhere near finishing representing the rest of Final Fantasy VII in this style. 
fuck, who knows how they will even connect some of these places? Because I seriously doubt they're going to have exactly. A like I, I, that's what I mean. I, I just think that going forward, it's going to be a completely different thing from what we grew to love. And and you know, I, I was hoping for a a just kind of faithful remake of an amazing game that I liked a lot, and I was excited to experience that. So I'm definitely bummed the direction they've went considering the, the degree of change they've made to the story like this is about as big as you can get for, as a, from a departure right um yeah i mean using the original as a skeleton they've uh, they, the ending says it all you know it's time to deviate from what you wanted and what you expected yeah. <laughs> so if you didn't like any of the new parts that we wrote you're really going to hate everything going forward um which i'm sure is the case i haven't played the uh the like Yuffie DLC with a couple of missions that they first chapters they put out with her rather um, since it's all brand new I have a feeling it's it would probably sit really poorly with me but I'll have to do that in future and see if, if there's anything good there because I'm curious definitely not me like I'm so ready to move on from this fucking game because um, you and I have talked about this Jake and I have talked about this a lot you know, Jake's, Jake enjoyed this game quite a bit. We've talked about it a bunch. I'm sure he'll play the sequels and he'll tell me about what happens and it'll be fun, but I don't want to play them. Like, I'm ready to, and I'm going to read my note here, nail this fucking coffin shut for myself. Nice. So, <laughs> you will never hear Final Fantasy VII Remake uttered on this podcast ever again. And if you do, John will come <laughs> and kill me. Um, so, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this uh, over three-hour podcast bitching about uh, Final Fantasy 7 Remake and all the things it could have been and all the things that it wasn't. Any any other closing remarks before <laughs> I uh, go soak my head in a cold tub? <laughs> nope. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to three fucking hours of us yeah. bitch. I hope you we enjoy it. We will probably it. never do a uh, podcast remember, this long again. <laughs> and remember if you like this game... Yeah. That, that's fine we just we didn't i hope you have fun listening to it anyway and i would just like to add if you like this game you're a bad person and we don't want you listening to the podcast so john and i differ on this unfortunately he, he's happy to accept you into the fold and i i refuse to have you no of course if you enjoyed the game fair enough like that's fine there it you know taste is subjective it's it's taste there's not much to be done about it but i hope in future i god my, my fear now is that like chrono cross gets looked at and they do some weird fucking fucky shit with that game. I would cry. Man, I just I don't trust these studios to to uh, live up to their legacy no, anymore. Absolutely um, not. Yeah, I, I, again, and if they do and they fuck it up, you know, the original is always there to be played. But it's it's just a shame when the marketing gets your hopes up and the final <laughs> product. Does yeah, that, what hurts so much here is I remember. Excuse me. I remember seeing this announcement live at the 2016 um, PlayStation show, and you know, like everybody, I lost my damn mind. Um, there's a oh, great yeah. video on YouTube of, of the game trailers hosts. That site is now defunct, unfortunately, but um, reacting to this trailer, and it like gives me goosebumps and makes me teary-eyed because of how happy they are. Um, yeah, there's just <laughs> so many people have a lot of you know fond memories of this game. So there was just a ton of hope and hype and excitement and yeah i just it really let me Fuck, down. do you remember the crowd exploding when they played that clip um when they had a, a tech demo for ps3 yeah, oh yeah, yeah oh yeah 
Yeah, people people it's were hungry crazy. for this for a long time. So I, I can see a lot of people being really disappointed in, in what they got. But anyhow. And it still managed to get tens in a lot yeah. of places, which is review insane, stores. So. Review stores mean nothing. I've, I've I've even realized that in playing games for the podcast, like I I get myself hyped up on them, and after the first five or ten hours, I'll like have a pretty positive review, and then the excitement dies down, and I get a bit deeper, and then like the you know they get worse, and suddenly my review score right. would drop off. And yeah, reviews reviews are tough. I imagine as a reviewer, it's a hard thing to really let yourself be objective or well again objectivity and subjectivity is a whole other debate but i imagine it would be a tough thing to kind of put the hype and stuff aside when you're playing a new game but sure and then the amount of content they might be expected to deliver and how long it takes to review sure, an rpg sure. it's you know it's a difficult yeah. thing difficult and, and thing i mean i'm not going to make any assertions that there are like deals that they give games good scores i i, I really don't think that there's some big conspiracy cabal where companies pay off game journalists to give good scores but it's there's inevitably some incentive and in, in connection between like giving a studio's game a good review and having a good relation with that studio right um yeah and then you get like re, uh review embargoes um pre-launch and all that shit yeah. and it's because you would lose day one sales if a, a review of fucking five out of ten came out so um, yeah, we don't, we don't have to get into that, but this is not a 10. This is a, a, no, almost no game on earth. In fact, I'll say no game on yeah, earth. You know, I, I, I'm 10. of a different, so seeing this get I'm of a different mind crazy. here. I, I think 10 has a place. Like it, it shouldn't mean a perfect game because like you said, then it's just a, a number that can't be used on the scale. Right. Um, fair, fair but, enough. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Like th this, this game certainly shouldn't be a 10 for anybody. Like so many, so many places to improve it, whether you like it or not, it shouldn't be a 10. If this is a 10 for you, there are better games out there for you that you will enjoy more. You just need to find them. So I hope that gives you some joy and excitement for the rest of your life because there are better games than Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, let's get into about an hour-long conversation on the ethics of reviews <laughs> and journalism. And, uh, yeah, no, let's fucking stop. Let's, let's end it. It's been three hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> Probably a little less because we have some editing to do. But <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, very much for listening. Uh, we'll holler at you guys in two more weeks. God knows what we'll talk about next time, but we're free of this shit. Here we go. Right, See you bye. guys. Thank you for listening to the Branching Path Podcast. Check us out on Twitter at BranchPathPod or just search Branching Path Podcast. Check out our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash branchingpathpodcast. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on our RSS website, which is rss.com slash branchingpathpodcast. Thanks again for listening. Take care.